now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at StanTheFan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys, take it away. And a very pleasant good morning to each and every one of you on this Saturday, the 19th of October, 2019. And everyone knows that the Baltimore Marathon is going on, apparently, except Craig Heiss. Everybody but one person. That's Everybody right. but one person knows. Ben Clark is sitting in for the first 10 minutes or so today. Let me quickly uh, lay out the uh, table of what we've got today. First guest at 10.15 will be Mike Gimble who worked for a long time with the late Congressman Elijah Cummings, a great loss to our city and our country. Uh, that was the um, uh, foundation called Team Up for, not not Team Up for One, Powered by Me. Excuse me, I got so many foundations on my mind. Mike Gimble will talk about his work, uh, anti-drug campaign, Powered by Me, and his work with Congressman Elijah Cummings, who passed this weekend, uh, this past week. Mike Shallon at 1045, a regular contributor to the show, writes a great column for the New Hampshire Union leader uh, and also is an official scorer at Boston Red Sox games. At 1105, we've got the rock star on. Glenn, how would I, you, I mean, how do you the, describe he's, what Mo Gabba he's is? He's easily now? the most inspirational figure that our city has seen in, as far as our sports community is concerned yep. anyway, that our city has seen in some time. He is... Um, just the type of, of individual that puts a smile on your face, even if you don't know him at all. Um, yep. Every time you see him, every time you hear him, obviously, you can't help but smile because he is a light. He is an absolute light. You know you know what the proof of that is? When I first heard him probably, what, three and a half years ago yeah, when Scott like that, Garceau right? mm-hmm. with Scott and Jeremy had no idea he was blind. Nope. Had no idea he was battling multiple times cancer. Nope. Uh, but you still seemed, fell in you love felt with him. the light and right. the love and just what a special kid he is. It's amazing what he has kind of evolved into in this city. I don't know that his mom and him are totally aware of it, and maybe that's part of the charm. But everybody is rooting for this kid too, and and he improves our lives. Yeah, you know he. I, I I think that's the biggest thing that comes away to me is that there's nothing about this that feels forced. There's nothing about it's just we're so genuinely in love with this kid, and and honestly, he just wants to call and talk to you about baseball and go out and hang out with the Ravens. It's it's a it's an unbelievable story. His mom and him were sort of honorees at an event about four months ago. I remember the Orioles were in Kansas City, and it was a Saturday afternoon, and I went out to Michael's 8th Avenue, and the guys at 98 Rock put it on to raise raise some money. And I got to meet Sansa for a few minutes, and then I got to meet Mo for uh, like 90 seconds, and it was really something. So the other day, I'm talking to him. He reaches out to friend me on Facebook. So I friend him, and then we're talking on Facebook. So I said, Mo, I got to be honest with you. I'm pretty ignorant about bl- you know blindness and technology. Like, does this thing work? You know, <laughs> voice activated or is it Braille? And he he says, 
Braille is spelled B R A I L E. I had spelled it with two L's, and he's correcting me, and he's reading it in Braille. So that's awesome. That's that is cool. awesome. He's the best. Anyway, I mean, that's really Mo's cool. Mo's going to be on with us at eleven oh five. That's a great. I, by the way, Stan, yeah. that's the best guest you're going to have all year. And no that's question about it. Flat Almost out. Almost as good as Rick Peterson. Clo- I mean, Rick better Peterson. than Rick, but Rick's pretty good. <laughs> Rick Peterson, longtime uh, MLB pitching coach for the Milwaukee Brewers, Oakland A's, New York Mets, and a, a, an organizational pitching coach for the Orioles for a couple of years, was hired by Dan, Dan Duquette, but had the awkward situation of being hired by somebody that believed in what he was preaching and had to work kind of under Buck Showalter in some regard as yeah. well. And there, there was a disconnect between the two in pitching philosophies. Rick Peterson's going to talk a little bit about how special this Washington Nationals duo, quartet, triplet of Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, and Sanchez. Sanchez has been excellent. Absolutely excellent. We're also going to talk about whether it's a plus or a negative for the pitchers to be off. Week off, yeah. My, my feeling is this pitching staff kind of needed the breather uh, and they come back re-energized, uh, you know, uh, to, to start the World Series Tuesday night in the American League Park. And then at 11.45, I've never interviewed Rock Newman, but he's going to be on with us. He was the guy who uh, used to manage Riddick Bowe's uh, yep. boxing career. We'll find out a little bit about what Rock does now, but I do know through Facebook, and there's that Facebook again, you, you learn a lot of stuff, that he is a longtime Washington baseball fan, and Glenn, you probably don't know this, so yesterday we're texting back and forth, and I go, are you just a a long-time Washington baseball fan, or are you just since the Nationals? Well, right, like the, like the kid who said I've been a fan since today, right. the other day on, right. on the news. Great. That but was my favorite thing all week. He's the opposite. He went to his first game when he was four years old at Griffith wow. Stadium, wow. which is where I saw my first game. Because I was the Senators versus who? I don't remember who okay. they played. Okay. But I do know that I went to probably 10 or 12 games when I was three and four years old. We moved here. Actually, we moved here when I was six. So I probably went when I was three, four, and five to Griffith Stadium. He and I are the same age, too. We could have been in the ballpark together. Hanging probably. out, being Hanging buddies. Out. Right, yeah. yeah. So Rock Newman is going to join us. Uh, Glenn. You popped in today, and uh, we kidded about Craig Heist. He is stuck in marathon traffic. So who, I can't believe be, I can't believe he came through the city today. He, I can't he believe he does that. this about three to four times a year. Uh, Ryan's yeah. only been with us six months, and it's probably about the third time he's gotten caught in in traffic. Well, there's anyway. not three marathons during the course of the year. I don't no, know what else he gets caught in different. Situation. Maybe a parade or something. Yeah, I would strongly suggest ways. Yeah, I mean, why you wouldn't be? Also, yeah. I, they couldn't have advertised the traffic anymore yeah. during the course of the week. Everywhere I have to be in honest, town. I did not know for sure today. I, I, I well, look, I get that he's got other things going on yeah. too, covering sixty sports yeah. that he does, and yeah. he's down in DC a lot. Uh, but yeah, had a wonderful time this morning. Thanks to uh, our friend Booker Corrigan, who of course hosts the uh, high school football show right. every Monday at twelve thirty with Dom D'Amico. Does and, a wonderful job. And when we snap our fingers, he'll be back hosting the, the lacrosse, lacrosse show. show. Absolutely yeah. right. We love Booker. We're glad to have him as part of this. Um, but Booker and his crew put on the Baltimore Marathon, the Baltimore Running Festival every year. Right. Uh, Booker um, managed to talk me into doing the uh, Belcara Health Five K today. You did that. 
wait a minute. Now, no, I ran the 10-miler in the spring. That was because I lost oh, I a bet. I thought you just did something last week or two. Uh, this is what you were going to run. This is what I was okay. doing, yes, okay. today. Okay. Yeah, this was the 5K. So, I'm not, look, I'm not a runner, Stan. I, in fact, wasn't you even. look like it. I'm getting there. I'm getting to actually looking like a human being again. Right. It's 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 nice. Um, but I ran the 5K today. I can't say enough wonderful things about the event. This is literally the first time I've ever even been downtown. Any Dunkin' Donuts for me? No, I don't have any of that for you. Come on, man. Look at me. I can't be doing those types of things. Yeah, but you could bring. I could for you. you. Could yeah, that's a good point. Me, you know. I had I had an apple today uh, after the race was over. I had an apple. Um, it's awesome. I, I honest God, I've never even been downtown on um, on Marathon Day because you always, if you're not part of it, you do everything to and avoid how it. How did you go in? You took the light rail. In? Yeah, that was a mistake. But other than that, <laughs> look, man, we all know what we're dealing with in this city. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's a, about the worst public transportation system in the uh, the world. Um, but I, I survived. Unfortunately, thirty minutes on the just sitting on a dark light rail this morning. That's because always a good feeling. Power was shut off. Luckily, it was a bunch of runners. Everybody was in the same boat. Got there. The thing started at 7.30. I got there at 7.38, so I was able to start then. Um, actually, really happy. I just got my times. I had an eight-and-a-half-minute pace for uh, miles today. That's extremely I'm good for where Considering you are, I'm not a runner at that. all, I was pretty yeah. thrilled with that. Um, the, the race, the, the course is great. You run up Key Highway. You turn around um, sort of over by Under Armour right. and then come back down, finish on Pratt Street. It's, what um, is a really good pace? Like Rob Santoni, you know. Oh, Rob, Rob. Santoni's nuts. Right, but he's like in the 6.50 oh, range sure. per mile. Yeah, but Rob Santoni like wouldn't run a 5K. Like a 5K no, no, is a brisk that. jog right, for Rob right, Santoni. Right. Rob's really serious. Oh, he's ins- Rob runs the Boston Marathon. I mean, yes. Rob's crazy yeah. i mean he's awesome i love rob and he's a he and his family have always been wonderful to our for, city he works for wise markets yep, now correct one of our family of sponsors we love love them love his family obviously yep. i was a santoni's kid growing up we always went to the one on route one in perry hall so got one sports question for you before we let you go because i'm going to be joined by mike gimbel to talk a little bit about his relationship with uh, the late elijah cummings um buck showalter uh, his name's been bandied about. He apparently had an interview with the Angels. The Mets have moderate interest, but I don't think it ever got to an interview stage. But he is one of the three finalists for the Philadelphia Phillies job. Dusty Baker, the other, and Joe Girardi, the third. Yep. Um, and we don't know the pecking order. Your gut feeling tells you what about Buck Showalter this summer? My gut tells me Joe Girardi gets that job, and this is the end of it, uh, yeah. unfortunately, for Buck. We, we talked about this, you and I, the other day when you were in for my show doing Five Words or Less. I have an incredible affinity for Buck, um, both as a fan and also from the little bit that yeah. I've been around him the couple times that he's done my show. I really like Buck a lot. I know all of the stuff that comes along with Buck. I know all of his quirkiness. I know all of his micromanaging. I understand all of those things. Um, But what disappoints me is that Buck Showalter, his career is a World Series title away from being a Hall of Fame caliber career. Um, Who knows if he had had all of his healthy bodies in 2014, what that could have led to. But it's a bummer that it hasn't worked out for him. And I know that obviously there's something to be said for the success that these teams have had after Buck Showalter left. I get that. But I like Buck Showalter a lot. Um, I have a lot of really emotional feelings towards Buck. I think he's one of the most influential figures of the decade in Baltimore sports. No question about it. Um, I just don't – I think right now for the Phillies, Girardi's the guy. I mean, I, I just think. In this I think the Phillies want Girardi, but I think Girardi wants the Mets. Right. And it's an v- interesting dance now you're seeing because the Mets have to 
plan on how to handle it if they get turned down by Girardi or don't move. And I think the Phillies sort of need to say to him quickly, like, look, if you want this job, you better take it now. Otherwise, we're happy with these other two guys. I I get the sense in Philadelphia that he's the guy – that the fans want him as the guy, despite the fact that he's a bit abrasive, despite the fact that, you know, there's they just think that he's the best fit for that job. Plus, he's the guy that's already won a World Series for whatever warts he has. Um, I, I, I hope that Buck remains in play somehow, some way. I, I it would be wonderful to me if he were to get that job. But my gut is it's Girardi's got job to get, and unfortunately, that's the only real chance that Buck has of landing another managerial job. All right, he's Glenn Clark. You'll be in tomorrow with uh, Project Game Day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what time? You, so you start at halftime. Of the, I'll be, yeah, of I'll be with range. you at halftime. Same spot, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Anybody my, in with you? Yeah, I'm not thrilled about this one this week. A post game tomorrow is myself and Drew Forrester oh. joining me for the Project Game Day post game show. Oh, good old Drew. Oh, God. Nice he could make it off the golf course. Yeah, for a change. <laughs> uh, he'll be poking into the live casino hotel studio somewhere around 7.30 tomorrow after the uh, the late game between the Ravens and the Seahawks. So All looking right, so forward to that. halftime tomorrow of the Ravens-Seahawks. Yep, I'll be there. After and then the game with Drew Forrester. Exactly right. I've uh, got Mike Gimble on the line. We're going to get to him in just a second. Stan, I love you. just ya. tell me. Uh, we've got new copy oh, here. Oh, right, yes. Join the yes. Bradley. Hang on, Mike. We'll be with you in just a minute. Join the Bradley and Nikki Bozeman Foundation Halloween costume party with honorary hosts from the Ravens, including Lamar Jackson, RG3, Justin Tucker, and other Ravens players on October 29th at the Woodhome Country Club. Go to Brad Nikki. that's Brad, N-I-K-K-I, Bozeman, B-O-Z-E-M-A-N.com, for details and tickets, that's Nikki with two Ks. Pick your best costume and join your favorite players. Go to bradnickybozeman.com and get your ticket now. Love. On, Brad is on and Nikki are on with you. Yes, they week. join me every Monday at 11.30 a.m. on Glenn Clark Radio. And also Nikki running in the full Baltimore Marathon this morning. She's running the full 26.2. So she is awesome she's one of my absolute favorite people former alabama basketball player famously bradley remember proposed to her right after the championship game uh his senior Does year Zenitz know her yes that matt Zenitz absolutely knows nikki nikki's wonderful love them uh my wife and i will be at that event uh, we want to support them we want to love on them and that's tuesday the 20th yeah, not this tuesday the A following tuesday. tuesday it's an awesome event all of the ravens players that hayden hurst told me he's going to be there as well it's an awesome awesome event they do a lot in our community to stop bullying they go around speaking to kids and that's what the foundation is all about is stopping bullying and they go personally to schools and talk about their own experiences and tell kids to stop bullying it's awesome all right thank you glenn clark appreciate it love you glenn's here monday through friday 10 to 12 unfortunately with kyle ottenheimer but uh, uh joining us right now is somebody i've known probably now at least 10 years and that is mike gimbel mike how are you Good, Stan. How are you? I'm good. I apologize. We had to get some stuff on there, but I appreciate your uh, waiting. First of all, uh, how did you meet Elijah Cummings? Well, I've had the the honor and the privilege of of knowing the congressman for probably 30 years. When I first got involved in the field of drug abuse as the drug czar for Baltimore County government, we met back then and worked on several projects to kind of provide more services to the people, not only in Baltimore City, but his district was also in Baltimore County. So we worked a lot over in the uh, Woodlawn area, Owings Mills area, and we just became kind of friends. 
and uh, and then got into the whole athletic world, and that's when we really got uh, together to open some really good programs. But he was a, a great man, a great loss for all of us. Now, I jump in by immediately asking you how you know Elijah Cummings. I make the assumption people know who you are, but for those that don't know who you are, Mike Gimble, tell them uh, in 30 seconds or so just a little of your background with drug abuse. Well, I've, uh, I just celebrated being off of heroin and other drugs for 47 years. Congratulations. And I'm from Baltimore. You started using drugs when I was a teenager in Baltimore County <clears throat> and got in a lot of trouble. Yep. Uh, took my family broke, ended up uh, in jail and treatment centers and, and a, real, a real mess. Uh, finally got my life together again 47 years ago and was the Baltimore County drug czar for 25 years. Mm. I have a TV show called Straight Talk that's on twice every Sunday here in town and syndicated and just working with kids. And, uh, and I'm also a marathon runner. I've run the Boston Marathon eight times, and that's uh, how uh, Congressman Cummings and I really teamed up on probably one of the best programs I've ever done in, in my 40 years in this field. Wow, that is amazing! You've run the Boston Marathon eight times. That's that's incredible. Now, yeah, it was. Uh, other than getting off a of drug, it's probably my greatest accomplishment. Now, I got to know you when you were running a foundation called Powered by Powered by Me. Correct? Yes, that was a. Uh, you know what people don't realize about Congressman Cummings is that he has changed sports all over the all over the world. For everyone remembers, he had the hearing on steroids right. when he had McGuire and Sosa and Palmero were sitting in front of his committee. He loves sports. The congressman loves sports. He played football, I think, at City College. And uh, he loves sports, but he hated cheaters. Right. And he really got angry about the whole use of steroids. And so he put together a hearing that is now famous. I mean, everyone saw yeah. it, and it changed sports because Major League Baseball and football and every sport that you can name now looks at steroids and performance-enhancing drugs in a whole different light than they did before, and that was what the congressman did with those hearings. Well, I remember also Commissioner Seelig, uh, at that time he was the commissioner, he testified before the hearing as well. Yeah, you know, and the thing that makes the congressman so so amazing was that after the hearings, he called me, and we got together, and we put together a program to reach kids. Because he said, look, you know, we've got to get to these kids early and teach them how to play, and we called it Safe, Fair, and Sober. And so we came up with this program, Powered by Me. We worked with St. Joseph's uh, Medical Center, and all of a sudden we were out talking to kids, and uh, we, we probably talked to several thousand. And what was and, exciting and was that the congressman would come to every meeting. Right. Every, we did, did a conference every year. And he brought one year, uh, he brought Alex Rodriguez right. to That's, Baltimore. I was going to mention right? that. Yeah, Alex Rodriguez spoke in front of your group, right? Yeah, it, it, was just, it was right after he admitted using steroids. And the congressman wrote a letter and said to the to Major League Baseball and said, I want Rodriguez to come to Baltimore to speak to my, my program, Powered by Me. And I, I took him to Milford Mill High School, right. which was my alma mater. Right. And we had all the athletes, 500 athletes, and, uh, and A-Rod spoke to them. And it, it was really, uh, 
it was amazing to watch. And uh, that was because of the congressman. And then he would kept bringing, he, was, he brought Ray Lewis and Brian Roberts, and he was bringing all kinds of athletes around for these kids, some who got in trouble and some who didn't. And, it wasn't, and that was what he was all about. So, and it wasn't you know, just it wasn't just drugs. It wasn't powered by me. Where I met Lisa Densmore, I think it was the she, yes, the no, we we addict. covered everything. We wanted them to play safe, so we always looked at issues of concussions and, right. and and injuries. We wanted them to play fair, and that's where we talked about gambling and the fact that some of these kids could be enticed into doing something that was corrupt. And then we had the sober part, which was everything from alcohol to performance-enhancing drugs. And what's exciting is I still do this program for the NCAA, and we still do playing safe, fair, and sober. And I still go around. I, I speak to all the colleges here in Baltimore and Maryland and high schools, and it's still live. And, and it's so exciting because, again, you know, uh, Congressman Cummings was so critical in getting this thing going. And supported it 100 percent. Yeah, I mean, he was such a powerful guy. He he breathed life into something like that. And when he believed in something, it was going to get his full passionate uh, attention. Um, we're talking with Mike Gimble. Mike, I don't even know. I used to call you the director of uh, Powered by Me. What, what what do we call you now? I know you're still doing. I know <laughs> well, I'm you're usually doing... called a lot of things, but. Uh... <laughs> Right now, I have my own company. It's Mike Gimble Associates, and I do consulting. And my TV show is just taking off and being syndicated now to many different cities, and it can be seen on a on a new website. So, I'm really focusing on trying to continue doing education. I still work in all the schools. I speak to the kids, parents, professional groups, and so I've been really on my own for a while. And it's exciting, and it's you know again celebrating being clean. 47 years is pretty amazing for me. When you, uh, I never thought I'd even live that long. When you and go, so I try to tell my story because what I did and the, and the reasons I got involved with drugs and alcohol are some of the same reason the kids are today. No, no and, question about it. No question about it. Mike, yeah. uh, when, when you are in the throes of that, and it's important that you're the only person that can really make the change, it's great to have the help of others. Uh, your parents, you made the mention that you took them, you sort of took them broke. How proud were they when you got on the other side of this? And I know you're never 100% on the other side of it, even after four Well, I, I'm very thankful, you know, that my parents, you know, both lived a very long life yeah. and, and saw most of, most of my accomplishments up until just a few years ago when they both passed away. But they were, they were proud, my family. You know, when you, when you talk about recovery from addiction, when you talk about helping people, you know, Hillary Clinton said it years ago, it takes a village. It really does. It takes the whole family to work together. It takes the community to work together. We've got to have good resources. Uh, I, you know, I was lucky. I, I, I left Baltimore and went to California for rehab because back then, I don't know if I would have been alive if I would have stayed here. So it's... Uh, you know, they were very proud, and I think so many parents are out there, you know, with, with kids or a loved one who is struggling with addiction. They don't know what to do. They get frustrated. It's very hurtful to the family. It's a terrible disease. Yeah. And so, you know, we try to help as much as we can, and we certainly, you know, we need more help. 
We have a good governor here and a good lieutenant governor that's done a lot of good things, but we need to do more, and what? people need to, to realize that it doesn't discriminate. It happens to anybody. Mike, when you got to meet Congressman Cummings 30 years ago, did was it important for him at that time? I don't know what his personal experiences were, either himself or his family. Did he pay attention to what you had been through and what that he, That you? was, you know, the. I mean, the reason I got the job as the drug czar was because the county executive, Donald Hutchison, back then hired me because of my background. Right. And so that was very public, and so the congressman knew it, and he would always talk to me about how, how amazing it was to get off a drug. Yeah. Like, any time we spoke together and he would either introduce me or mention me, he would always say, you know, of what accomplishment I had in getting clean. And he was, he was amazed by that, and he was, again, he cared about those kids. I mean, he was all about young people and wanted to prevent them from getting involved. But, no, he, we would always talk about, because I would talk about the old days when I was involved and in the city, and um, he was pretty much amazed by the whole thing. But he learned a lot. He used to always ask a lot of questions yeah. about my recovery and about what we need as far as treatment centers and what we need. And, and then he would go to Congress or use his influence to try to get it done. He will be missed. Uh, Congressman Elijah Cummings passes away at the uh, way too young age of 68 years of age. Mike Gimble, many thanks for being on with us this morning. One last question for you, Mike. If somebody that's either listening to this podcast or watching it on Facebook Live, how if they're having a problem or they know someone who is, how is the best way to get in touch with you, Mike? Well, they can call me or just uh, you just put, uh, you know, mmgimbal at comcast.net or just look me up or just Google my name. It'll give you a million stories and a million ways to reach me. I'll help anybody I can. That's, that's, that's my commitment, you know, to, to God for keeping me alive. All right. So anyone out there that wants help or is looking just for some direction, wants to talk about it, just give me a call. All Happy right. to talk. Mike, thank you for your passion and what you do. Thank you, Stan, for everything. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. That's Mike Gimble, uh, and uh, he does an amazing job and has for a long time, 47 years clean of heroin addiction and other drugs and probably alcohol as well. Um, we talk about Powered by Me. Well, there's an organization in town that I'm proud to be a part of, and it's called Team Up for One. You can support Team Up for One and their goal to connect children with challenges to the experience of team sports by attending their fourth annual Sports Leadership Awards honoring women in sports. It's coming up on Saturday, November the 2nd. This year's honorees include skating champion Kimmy Meisner, Paralympic gold medalist Becca Myers, and others. For complete information and tickets, Go to teamupforone.org. That is teamupforone. That's the number one dot org. And that is with the number one, Team Up For One. All right. I um, want to remind you, you're listening and watching uh, The Bat Around. And we are live in the Live Casino Hotel Studio. We are here each and every Saturday from 10 to 12. 
And I want to tell you, we mentioned it once when Glenn stopped in for a couple minutes. He'll be on with Project Game Day tomorrow. It's back, and we'll be with you to react immediately during and after every Baltimore football game this season. Glenn Clark is with you at halftime. So that'll be roughly 5.50 to 6 o'clock tomorrow. Kickoff is 425 from Seattle. Glenn will be with you at halftime with various guests joining him the moment the game wraps up. This week's guest is Drew Forrester, including the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard, and press boxes Ken Zalis and Eric Arditi from Arditi from Barstool Sports. Press Box Project Game Day is made possible by great partners like the Costas Inn, Wise Markets, Glen Burnie Transmissions, Glory Days Grill, and the U.S. Army, like Pressbox on Facebook at facebook.com slash pressboxsports, and watch Project Game Day there every game day this season. And again, tomorrow's a game day, and then the Ravens have the bye the following week on the 27th, and then they come back and play the New England Patriots. Uh, I believe that's Sunday night, November the 3rd. Uh, So anyway, Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home plate. Sliders Bar and Grill just steps from Camden Yards. is the perfect sports bar for Ravens and Cap season with all the games on dozens of TVs. Daily specials include Mexican Monday, Wing Ding Wednesday, Bloody Brunch Sunday, and more with different drink specials every day of the week. Sliders celebrates Halloween and on Saturday, October 26th, from 7 p.m. till 2 a.m., put on your costume and join the fun with drink specials, prizes, and fun all night long. That's sliders for all of your sports and some spooky Halloween fun. We're going to be back on the other side of these messages. Uh, I think Craig Heist is going to be in the studio with us when we get back. We are joined by Mike Shallon coming up at about 1045. Don't forget... Mo Gabba, 11.05, Rick Peterson, 11.25, and Rock Newman, longtime Washington baseball fan, at 11.45. It's all in the batter round. Stay tuned for more after this. Around here, there are two kinds of chicken. Royal Farms' world-famous chicken and everything else. What's the difference? Royal Farms chicken is always fresh, never frozen. It's hand-dipped in a secret recipe of herbs and spices and cooked on the spot right in the store. Chicken from anywhere else? Who knows? Hungry for some hot and delicious chicken? Get some Royal Farms' world-famous chicken. It's one of a kind. And don't forget the Western fries. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home plate. Sliders Bar and Grill, just steps from Camden Yards, is the perfect sports bar for Ravens and Cap season, with all the games on dozens of TVs. Daily specials include Mexican Monday, Wing Ding Wednesday, Bloody Brunch Sunday, and more, with different drink specials every day of the week. Sliders celebrates Halloween on Saturday, October 26th from 7 p.m. till 2 a.m. Put on your costume and join the fun with drink specials, prize and fun all night long. Sliders for all of your sports and some spooky Halloween fun. 
Want to know what's going on in high school football this season throughout the state of Maryland? Tune in to the Press Box High School Football Show with Booker Corrigan and legendary former McDonough coach Dom D'Amico. The guys will discuss everything happening at the private and public school levels, players and teams to watch, upcoming games, and so much more. Every Monday at 12.30 p.m., watch the show at facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio for the Press Box High School Football Show. Check out Costa's Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. They're known far and wide for their great steamed crabs and crab cakes. And their nightly specials also include crab cake night on Monday, rib night on Tuesday, steak night on Wednesdays with a half-priced bottle of wine, and lobster night on Thursdays. Check out CostaZen.com to find out more. And the delicious crab cakes are shipped anywhere. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square offers a better way to tailgate with football and nuggets. You can now pick up a 30-count Chick-fil-A nugget in a football shop container and if it would be helpful chick-fil-a nottingham square can half cook it leaving you the opportunity to heat it the rest of the way just in time for your party and now chick-fil-a nottingham square offers their three cheese mac and cheese cheddar parmesan and romano combine in this classic side baked fresh in the restaurant download the chick-fil-a app place your order and pile up chick-fil-a bonus points good for free food chick-fil-a nottingham square 5198 campbell boulevard call steve if you'd like your party catered by chick-fil-a Chick-fil-A, Nottingham Square. This is former Trump AJ Francis, just here to let you know that I am a huge wrestling fan. I know you are too. And there's a lot of stupid idiots out there that ruined the wrestling podcast experience for everyone else. Hey, Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone. I don't understand why people would ever cheer for Roman Reigns. He's awful. I'm sick of it. Boo! Boo Roman Reigns! Never wrestled for Ring of Honor. Never wrestled for PWG. Never wrestled Uh, in Japan. He is no Kenny Omega. Too sweet me, bro. I hate both of you. And this is why I keep stupid idiots like you on my list. This is your boy, Y2AJ, here to save you. Find Jobbing Out, the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com on SoundCloud or iTunes. And we want to remind you that uh, the battle round each and every Saturday is presented by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for Mobile One. Uh, there's a lot of great events are coming up at the Live Event Center at Live Casino Hotel during the rest of 2019, including Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Michael Bolton on Saturday, November 30th. Doors open at 8.30. Tickets start at $45.50. Get your tickets now by going to livecasinohotel.com. And we'll remind you again that we are broadcasting from the Live Casino Hotel Studio. And I'm happy to welcome in my friend and yours and uh, a guy who's getting to cover a World Series. And that is Craig Heiss. You know, of all the years... We're there? Yeah. Okay. Of all the years... uh, (laughs) Well, you uh, show up late and all of a sudden you don't know how it's run? Well, no. I just sound kind of hollow for some reason. That might be the door then. If you want to shut it. No, I mean, for all the uh, years that I've covered this game, right, be the first World Series I get a chance to cover. It's funny. I was thinking about that because you weren't really doing coverage in 83. No. You were down the Eastern Shore? No, and we had... We had, obviously, playoffs in 96, 97. Right. And then, uh, of course, uh, when Buck came here, uh, uh, 2012, 2014, 2016. And, uh, you know, those were, ironically enough, the three years, too, 
that coincided with the Nats, Nats getting in the, the playoffs, playoffs right, and winning the division. And I'm thinking to myself, this would be the greatest thing since sliced bread is to have a World Series between these two. Yeah. And it just never came to fruition. Yeah. But, well, uh, we got a World Series involving one of them. Yeah. Um, back when the club was 1931, I mean, we know all the cliches. We knew they were a better club than they were playing and all that. Would you have given uh, much of a wager that they would not only right the ship, but right it well enough to get by a Dodgers club, which – during the regular season, historically over the last six, seven years, they're the best team in the National League. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. but you got to win the games. Well, then you know that's the whole thing, and, and you think about the Orioles, the winningest team in baseball from 1961 to 1984, and how many World Championships out of all of that? You yeah, had, you had 66, 66 70, and 70, right, and 83. and 83. Yeah, so three, three, and you know we were we were down for the workout yesterday. Uh, at Nats Park, and and I asked Adam Eaton, I said, and, and I also asked Sean Doolittle this, I said, D- do fans and the people in the media really understand how hard it is to get here? And both of them said, the people in the clubhouse do. Right. But I don't think generally po- most people understand how, how hard it is to get there. And, yeah. and I think that says a lot about it. Now, you, to get back to your question, would I have given it a thought? Yeah, uh, because 1931, on May the 24th, there's still four months of baseball left. Mm. Four and a half months of baseball left. and But an awful lot of times, two months sort of defines your abilities. Usually the first 40 to 50 games define what you are as a team. Yeah, yeah and I'll agree with that. Yeah. But, you know, I, I and, and I work with two guys. God love them, Grant and Danny, down in D.C. on 106.7 The Fan. They do 10 to 2 every day, uh, Monday through Friday. And they said, well, you know, you don't understand. They're going to have to play 650 baseball to go to real. And I said, yeah, and? Right. You know, it, it happens. And it happens more, I think, than people really think it happens. Uh, maybe not for the extended period of time that the Nationals played that good of baseball. But, Stan, we've seen the Rays come back from nine down on September the 3rd to beat the Red Sox out for a wild card. We've seen the Cardinals come from behind uh, 12 back in the middle of August to beat the Braves out, you know, to get to the playoffs. I mean, these things happen, and it's baseball, and that's why it's the greatest game in the world. Yeah. All right. Well, you and I are in agreement on that. Um, You take a team like the Atlanta Braves this year that were an excellent, excellent ball club. But there's more to it than just navigating the regular season. You got to get through the gauntlet, and look what the Dodgers. I mean, for here in Baltimore, we we kind of feel like we have an insight into why the team didn't win for a long time. But but in Los Angeles, they haven't won a World Series now since 1988. Right. Baltimore and, and, hasn't won one since '83. And Rick, Rick Dempsey was on that team. Yeah. And. You know, you you get the he big was on picture. the last Dodger World, World Series team, team and yeah, Oriole World right, Series, right? Exactly, and and you go, you you see him out there hugging Oral Hershiser, and I, I mean, that takes you back a few years, and it takes you back, and like you said, yeah. 
Last World Series for the Orioles, last World Series for the Dodgers. Yeah, we just celebrated what last uh, this week thirty four years. No, it was the uh, the anniversary of the of the earthquake. Oh yeah, yeah. That was yeah. what eleven and nine, thirty years. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Where were you when that earthquake hit? Uh, right in front of the TV, watching Al Michael saying, "We're having an earth." <laughs> <laughs> how long was the How long was the break between the? And him going into the truck. Well, was it about seven minutes? Something probably? like that. But when you know, it was great because the only thing they had was the audio. I say it's great, right? But the only thing they had was the audio. Right. And Al Michaels saying, you know, I think we're on the air. He says, and we'll be right back after one of the greatest opens in history <laughs> right. of television, bar none. <laughs> that was a wild one. That was a wild. One. I was just settling into my house on Roland Avenue, and. You know, and and you know, it's all all about me. Even back then, of course. <laughs> I go, oh damn it! I was just getting ready to really watch the game. <laughs> you know, and I'm not thinking about all the people that. Uh, well, and, 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 and you know risen. what what was what was I say funny about it was, uh, what was very interesting to find out is you're watching the game, or you're watching the open of the game, and then you're wondering, well, number one, are they going to play this thing? Number two, you see. All the players and their wives, and then there's ambulances on the field and things of that nature, and you, you're getting the inside look at Candlestick Park, and not having any idea right. of the devastation that took place with on the, the highway with the 101 collapsing yeah. and and everything else. Yeah. Uh, and, do you remember how many people lost their I lives? I do not. Yeah. I do not. But I I just remember seeing you know and and the. Uh, the fires that, uh, because of the earthquake, the fires down around the marina section. Right. And uh, I have a good friend of mine out there who uh, was a real estate adjuster right. uh, at that point. And he did a lot of work, uh, you know, helping people get their lives back in order. And unbelievable. Yeah. Just the, the damage that was done by that yeah. earthquake. You know, and every time we have something like that, you, you think from afar, you go, how are those people ever going to navigate through this to get back to normal right and it happens though i mean mm-hmm. we we are a uh, a country of amazing resolve and when when things get get tough the tough get going yeah, yeah. And that's one way to put it yeah there's no question about it and i mean we saw it with the 911 uh situation in new york yep. and how that city just absolutely bonded together and uh helped from outside as well, the first responders, all that. I mean, yeah, when it gets down to that and you're looking at... And look at New Orleans, New how Orleans, they made it back exactly. after Katrina. Katrina to right. have, they, have they hosted their first Super Bowl since oh, yeah, then? Yeah, 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 right. I mean, remember the condition of that, uh, of the Superdome, mm-hmm. where yeah. it was people were living there for yeah, a couple absolutely. weeks? Yeah, absolutely. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Uh, Mike Shallon is going to join us, join us from the New Hampshire Union Leader. This gives us a moment to just remind people that if you are watching us on Facebook Live, please like and share the show. I'm a little late doing that. Yeah, well, please do it (laughs) now. Well, we are doing it now, but I'm just But we're urging everybody. We have like a Project 12 or 14. We're looking for 12 12 or 14 shares again. Should double every week. 
really should. That's a stretch. I'd be happy I'd be happy with I'm the sure 12 the, or 14. I'm sure I, the loyal fans would right. make that happen. That's, that's a tall order, but you know what? I like his way of I thinking. Like way of <laughs> thinking. <laughs> By the way, uh, getting through town with all the marathon plus the accident that we were dealing with, right. which just bottled up the city downtown around Camden Yards and Pratt Street and everything. Uh, I'm, I'm sitting there at lights and just sitting there in bumper-to-bumper traffic, and I'm watching these runners go by, you know, one right after another. And the only thing I could think of was John Panette, who just sat there, running? No, that's a nay-nay. <laughs> <laughs> John Panette, the late John Panette. Yes. Uh, joining us right now is the uh, extremely talented columnist for the New Hampshire Union leader, and uh, he joins us right now. He's my friend Mike Shallon. Mike, how are you? You go now. That's right. You go now. <laughs> you go now. You'll be at buffet. You'll be here for an hour. <laughs> Big boy. That's right. <laughs> he was, he was. you know, Mike, I got to tell you, I was sitting at home one day. I had gotten off work. I worked the early morning shift. I came home, and I'm watching Channel 9 down here in Washington, D.C., and I'm looking at Panette on the 4 o'clock news set with the anchors telling everybody that he's going to be at the improv that night. And I immediately got off the phone and s- 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 to see whether or not I could get a couple of tickets. So I, I go ahead and I order the tickets. I call my wife and I said, what are you doing after work? She says, coming home. I said, no, you're not. I said, go over to Connecticut Avenue. We're going to go to the Improv, see John Panetta. It's the funniest man alive. <laughs> and it was the best show. <laughs> now, had you seen Yeah, he, uh, we, he went too soon and he was also... Underappreciated, very, oh, very, very funny guy. M- very much. Well, you got three people in the two of you and me that love John Panetta. Uh. Yeah, he was funny. <laughs> Mike Shallon joins us. Mike, uh, quick question: We were talking about uh, uh, the gauntlet of uh, getting to the World Series, and then we just rem- reminded one another that we just celebrated the 30th anniversary of the uh, earthquake in San Francisco. Were you mm-hmm. by any chance out there covering the World Series? No, I actually missed the postseason that year for the birth of my uh, one of my sons. Um, he was born. He was actually born September twenty seventh, twenty eighth, and uh, so I didn't make the trip. I, and you know, it's it's a weird thing, but in the world of of journalism, we feel bad about missing something like that. Yeah. I mean, granted, it was dangerous and all that, but um, there was a you know just a, a great great crew of, of local writers that were out there. It was, uh, it was, you know, I, I hate to say it, but it was honestly something I, I missed covering. I missed being that. Yeah. Well, it's funny because you, you, you hear about a, a lot of like Bob Lee and Chris Berman and guys like that who were out there. Uh, and, and Al Michaels, they all said, you know, we went from being sports casters and sports writers and sports journalists yeah. to actually having to do news yep. and yeah. obviously a tragic event in, in covering news. So do you remember do you remember Mike how many people lost their lives in that you have any recollection? No, I don't. Yeah. No, I, I don't. Either. But you know what? You guys could check the Google while we're uh yeah. while 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 we're here. <laughs> yep, we could do that. You're absolutely right. If I was technically if I could walk and chew gum at the same time, I'd do yes. that. See, the real truth, Mike, comes out in the end. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's what our that's what our Congress is trying to do now. Walking through down the well, there you go. <laughs> that's right. Hey, Mike. Um, speaking of earthquakes, the uh, Boston Red Sox have the ground sort of uh, moving underneath their feet. Um, there was a thought that uh, 
that John Henry was going to try and get one of the big names and Andrew Friedman, maybe lure Theo Epstein back or someone else of that caliber. Uh, haven't heard much, but the word is they're starting to look in-house. Uh, what are you hearing about the Red Sox and their director of baseball ops slash GM job? Well, it has been very quiet. The only the only news to come out of them in the last couple of weeks was a one point seven percent ticket increase on the good seats and and releasing Stephen Wright. Uh, speaking speaking of great comedians, <laughs> releasing Stephen yeah. Wright. Uh, you know, I, I um, it's been real quiet. The Fre- Friedman apparently is off the book, off the uh, the ledger now because he's going to re up with the Dodgers. Yep. I guess I don't. See Theo doing it, yep. nor do I see the Cubs wanting to part ways on somebody they still have to pay uh, another person. You know, mm-hmm. leaving them, I, I don't, I don't see the need for an overhaul there. Um, but any, anything is possible. You know, uh, guys, guys have certainly uh, come back um, before, but uh, it has been real quiet. The core four is uh, the new core four, if you will. Right, it's in there now. Is is is. Kind of running things, and and it's uh, they're in a very precarious spot right now because of because of the contract situations. You know, the the day after the World Series, they'll find out that JD is, I think, going to opt out. I think he's going to take his chances. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, as I said before on this on this program, you know, here's the key. Here's the keys. Now go trade Mookie Betts. You right, know, right. Um, it's a it's a very very tough situation, and I I think that uh, you know every every time something like this happens, anytime some anything happens over there, the immediate response is, well, John Henry's going to sell the team in two years. You know, right. that's how people right. that's how people talk about. It. He's got too many irons in the fire. He's going to sell the thing. Well, I I also think Tom Warner could probably afford to you know to buy the whole thing himself, but that's another issue. But no, it's been real quiet, and and I honestly. I, I wish I could come on the the bat around this morning and tell you that. Well, actually, you know what? Since I left Forbes, Forbes, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> the columnist job, I'm available. Out, it so. didn't work out well at Forbes, did it? No, it didn't work out. And 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 the thing is that uh, the the door did hit me in the in the rear end on the way out, which you know people never allow for that when they say don't let the door hit you in the butt. Well, right. they never follow up on that. Like, yeah. Did the door hit? Yeah. The, the given person in the butt, and, and with me, it always has. Hey, hey talk- and really, that's the key to good journalism is following <laughs> up. <laughs> it is, yeah. Hey, we know about the J.D. Martinez situation. We know uh, how the the crazy situation with bets, where they sort of have to decide whether they just want him to play out one last year there, or they should trade him, but. But more importantly, even than that, what is the physical conditions and the likelihood that they will get help from David Price and Chris Sale next season? Well, you know, I mean, uh, listen, Price had a cyst removed from his wrist, so that shouldn't be a big deal. Okay. Um, Sale is, is is working in Florida. There was there was uh, there's been basically crickets on that, okay. and, and they'll have to wait and see. But the fact of the matter is that they're paying those two guys both over thirty million dollars for next year, a total of sixty-six between the two of them. Uh, Betts is going to make over thirty million, and JD should make thirty million. You can't have four guys yeah. on the roster making one hundred and twenty million dollars, and then 
you know, and 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 announce that you're going to cut the payroll. Right. So I don't know. You know, that's that's where we're at, really. Um, you know, they they it, 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 they're in a very tough spot. You know, I I have always felt down deep that Mookie did not want to did not want to play the rest of his career here. Mm-hmm. I may be wrong, um, but you know, again, whether he wants to or not. You know, uh, with a with a two hundred eight million dollar threshold, four guys making one hundred and twenty six million dollars yeah, doesn't work. Dangerous. The math you know, could be one hundred and thirty million dollars. So somebody's got to go, and you know, with Mookie's connection to Atlanta, with Atlanta's prospects, with Atlanta coming close this year and not getting there. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, that's the logical fit if it's going to happen. Obviously, you're not going to get as big a haul as you might have if he was signed. Uh, you know, but what does Atlanta give up for? You know, for one year, potentially one year, Mookie Betts. So, uh, to me, that's the most logical fit if it's going to happen. Well, Mookie Betts going to Atlanta probably spells the end there for Nick Markakis, I would think. Well, um, yeah, probably does. You know, but uh, the funny thing about Nick is that people kind of keep writing him off yeah. and uh, he keeps bouncing back, you know, and he's, uh, he's still at the top of that list for most games played without a World Series. I think he's being at that, uh, but he's just a damn good player and always has been. Yeah. We're talking and, uh, and an even I better, met, even better person, Mike. <laughs> well, I don't know him real well. All I know is that I saved his, uh, I saved his gold glove one year by not giving him an Eric Fenway Park. <laughs> and, and, and I did not, I did not get a Christmas card, which which upset me greatly. But I still, I still like the guy. We're talking with Mike Shallon. Mike writes the column. He writes columns for the New Hampshire Union Leader. Your Sunday column, I read it from top to bottom last week. It's as good a column as a sports column you can read in the country, Mike. Well, you know, I'm just trying to capture the spirit of the thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, as, as, as a great journalist once said in the movie Slap Shot, but I. Um, um, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a notesy thing. I've always loved notes yep. and, and, uh, you know, given, given the, uh, the location of the newspaper in New Hampshire, a lot of that stuff doesn't find its way into the paper during the week. Yep. Um, you know, I, I, I quote a lot of the Boston people, um, with, with things that they've done because it, it is a great press corps here in Boston and it's, uh. We seem to have found a niche because it's uh, it's actually been three and a half years and they haven't run me out yet. The, you, know, you know, the Forbes the Forbes thing lasted negative twelve minutes, but this thing has gone on. Yeah. Thing, I'll this, never this, live this, that down. I'll never <laughs> live those people at Forbes, they just didn't know what they were missing yeah, out on. Yeah. Well, according according to Stan they didn't miss out. Well, you know, no. that they got me in there and they ran me out. Yeah, so I mean, it was it's, very uh, quick in and out. Uh, Mike, tell tell the people here in Baltimore that might be listening or watching to this, who are the core four? I was just reading a column last night about Ra- Raquel uh, Ferrara is one of the core four. She's probably the highest-ranked woman in baseball. Right, and, today. you know, it's interesting. I just saw it here on Facebook, uh, the link to that article, and it was shared by uh, Orioles PR director Kristen Hudak. Right. Uh, that just said, you know, if you really want to be impressed with, you know, women getting to the top in baseball, this is a must-read column. Yep. Well, you know, she's very highly regarded. I do know that. Uh, I will admit to not knowing the names of all four of these people. Okay. <laughs> um, Romero is one I know. Um, 
they're, they're very high on him. Um, but, you know, that would be the ultimate uh, uh, step forward, if you will, if, if they hired her. Um, like, I, like I say, she is very highly regarded and has done some. But again, we, we don't know. I mean, you know, we don't, we don't know who does what on the inside. Like I said, all, all I know is that the only thing that they've done is release Stephen Wright. Um, so I don't think they'll go in, in-house, but, but you never know. Um, there's got to be, you know, it's just a tough fan base, you know, and to, to, to go out and, you know, fire, fire the guy who did win the World Series here. People forget that. It was a year ago at this time they were winning the World Series. Uh, you know, fire the guy and then replace him with people, somebody who worked for him, you know. Right. But it happens all the time. When managers get fired, they hire the bench coach who helped the manager get fired. You know I mean? If the bench coach was that good, maybe he should have helped the manager make better decisions, you know. But And I, and I am specifically talking about Jim Riggleton here because it keeps happening to him. But um, uh, it, it, it's, you know, it's a tough spot. You, know, you, can't, you can't just, um, sell sell a non name here in Boston. I think I think if you know when Dombrowski came in, it was a big deal because of his uh, track record. You know, it's a funny thing about that. I was um, I, I read a picture on Facebook uh, yesterday, the day before of uh, of a meeting at, at the winter meetings. I was sitting there taking notes, and uh, Moss Klein from New Jersey was there, and it was, we were we were talking to um, Hawk House. So somebody asked me, what year was that? Well, I looked it up, and I'd forgotten that Hawk only did one year as the White Sox general manager before he went back to the broadcast. Right. And according to Wikipedia, in that year, he fired Tony LaRussa as manager. He <laughs> fired a young Dave Dombrowski, and he traded uh, a, rookie, a rookie named Bobby Bonilla. So that was his <laughs> distinguished year as a general manager. <laughs> yeah, he was a disaster that year. They couldn't wait to get him back in the broadcasting booth. We're talking with Mike Shallon. Those names, by the way, the four, because I, I took a lesson from you. I went on Google and got their names. Eddie Romero, Brian yeah. O'Halloran, Zach Scott, and Raquel Ferrero are the four people that are currently steering the Boston Red Sox. The new core four. Yep, yep. Tell me about Stephen Wright. Is he a guy that could still help a, a winning team? Well, you know, I, it depends how, how healthy he is. Yeah. You know, he's got the baggage now, obviously, of, of uh, being in trouble twice and, right. and, and all that. But, um, you know, if he's healthy, you know, it, it, we the, the knuckleball really started in in Baltimore, right? Yep. You guys know all about it with the glove, the triandos, and all that sure. stuff. Sure, yep. Um, it's a tough pitch, no question about it. And he has been effective. But if he's not healthy... Um, there's there's two reasons to stay away from him. One is that it gives you an added problem to catch, and two is he's had you know he's had the off field trouble now, right? Twice, you know, with the domestic the domestic thing plus the the uh, PED. So um, I think somebody will give him a chance. Sure, I mean, he was an all star. You yep. know, uh, he was very very good at what he did, and uh, but in the you know who knows in the world of analytics, maybe the knuckleball just not you know. If you don't throw a knuckle curve like Mike Messina and Paxton now, if you don't throw a knuckle curve, maybe it's not good enough. So we'll we'll see what happens. But uh, you know, for his sake, um, he's had he's had some bad breaks, 
Obviously, some of it's self-inflicted, but I'd like to see him get another shot somewhere. Mike, let me ask you this real quick before I guess we let you go. You were yep. up against a yep. break, uh, and that is this. Uh, the Yankees force a game six uh, with the Astros later tonight. It's going to be a bullpen game as both teams save their aces, if you will, for game seven. Uh, the Nationals are just kind of sitting back. I was at a workout yesterday down at Nats Park. Uh, number one, what do you expect out of the rest of the Yankees Astros series? Number two, uh, how long or how much is the layoff going to hurt the Nationals if it does at all? Well, number one, how much has this game changed? You know, the biggest game of the season for two baseball teams, and they don't have a starting pitcher. Neither right. one has a starting yeah. pitcher. Yep. Uh, it's just very weird. Um, you know, I don't know who you give the advantage to. Uh, obviously, the, the the Astros are in their home park, and you expect them to win. I expected them to win last night, to be honest. Um, I thought that uh, Paxton really came through for the Yankees, and, and and the key the key to the game might have been he finally stayed away from Adovino, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, who has been uh, an absolute uh, you know gas fire the whole time. But as far as the Nationals are concerned, it's, it's tough to tell. You never know. I mean, it just seems like. Uh, these layoffs are never good, but when you got that kind of pitching, when you got that kind of starting pitching, you know the the, the Nationals aren't going to pitch an opener in the World Series. They're yeah. not going to go with a bullpen game in the right. World Series. So you got the you got quality starters. Maybe the rest does them good. I you mean, know, they, the, they've won sixteen of their last eighteen. Normally, I don't think you like to take a break like this. I think it gives this this rotation and the limited number of people he wants to put in a game late, it gives him a chance to sort of decompress a little bit, and I think it's going to be effective for them. I agree. I, I think I agree. Yeah. Um, you know, I, again. You ought to write that in Forbes. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, it, uh, I, don't, I don't see, when you're dealing with, with those pitchers, um, I, I can't see how being fresh would hurt those pitchers. I really can't. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. And, you know, especially, you know, Scherzer has. I mean, these aren't these aren't four inning guys. You know, these these are guys who pitch. Yeah. And um, I, you know, I I fu- fully believe that the that the Nationals, you know, you go, going into that uh, going into this World Series have have a really really good chance of be, beating either of these two teams because of the pitching. It's just there's just too much there. Plus. They're riding this high, you know. Yep. This this whole nineteen and thirty one thing has become a battle cry, and you gotta you gotta really love what they've done. There's no question about it. Plus, they have some of the best players in the game, and that never hurts. All right, Mike Shallon, New Hampshire Union leader. Read his column tomorrow online. Uh, we thank you again for your time, as always, Mike. Anytime, fellas. All right, there he goes, Mike Shallon. Costas in. We're going to have a special guest in a minute. Mo Gabba is going to join mm-hmm. us in just a minute. He's pretty special. Yeah. But when you talk special and you talk restaurant, the cost is in. At 4100 North Point Boulevard in Dundalk, uh, it's the best place for seafood in the Baltimore area, the greatest steamed crabs around. And you know what? This is a great time of the year to get steamed crabs. And uh, they do it up right at the Costas Inn. The crab cakes are fabulous. The crab soup, Maryland. What's a, what's a bad time to get steamed there's crabs? Never, there's, the never bad, there's never right, bad time. Right, that's my point. But, I mean, in terms of uh, the fullest crabs, uh, th- this is probably one of the better times of the year to get them. No question about it. Great steamed crabs, the best crab cakes around, the best crab soup around, 
and specials every single night of the week. Monday, crab cake night. Tuesday, rib night. Third, uh, Wednesday is steak night yeah. with half-price bottles of wine. At That's the easy for you to say. Right, exactly. And uh, when, Thursday, uh, Thursday's, Thursday's lobster, lobster night. night. Right. right. All right. It's and, all uh, there for you. Right. At the Costas Inn. You'll love it. The Costas Inn. Um Yes, sir. Uh, Project, uh, and I did that one also. Look, I'm flying through here. We'll remind you that the batter round is presented by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for Mobile One. And then I've got to tell you that the latest edition of PressBox is available now on the cover. No, that's the old one. (laughs) Ken Zalis is back and fulfilling all of your fantasies. Well, your football fantasies, anyway. The Press Box Fantasy Football Show every Thursday at 11.30 a.m. KZ helps you set your lineups for all your fantasy matchups. Watch at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. It's all brought to you by Wise Markets and Glory Days Grill. Join us for the Press Box Fantasy Football Show every Thursday morning at 11.30 a.m. We'll make our connection with Mo Gabba. In just a moment. By the way, did you see any of the uh, Capitals game last night? No, I did not. All right, Capitals beat the Rangers 5-2, to two, okay? But before the game, uh, Max Scherzer and all the Nationals after their oh, workout they were, there? were down at the at uh, Capital One Arena uh, to watch the game. And, did the place go? Uh, well, Adam Eaton is a huge hockey fan, right. as is Max Scherzer. And Scherzer had the uh, honor of dropping the first puck last night Wow! Uh, with Alex Ovechkin on the ice and a member of the Rangers. But <laughs> Max took the puck out to center ice and then reached in his back pocket and pulled out a baseball, baseball and, and put dropped it. that instead. <laughs> yes, it was fabulous. All right, that sounds great. Did they win? Uh, yeah, they won 5-2. Who'd they play? They played the Rangers. All right. You said that. That's yes. right. All right. Appreciate it. Uh, do we have our... We have no guests. Okay, still trying. Well, let's talk about the uh, couple games that uh, are coming up. Uh, number one tonight, and then also uh, Maryland, Indiana today for a football perspective. Uh, I, I'm not. I, I I look at AJ Hinch in this stand sometimes, and I'm thinking about what happened as far as uh, using the uh, bullpen game. La- uh, you know, tonight uh, with the Yankees, and both teams are going to use it, obviously. Uh, but when you stop and think about saving, uh, you know, your two best pitchers, you know, Severino for the Yankees and then Cole for the for the Astros. But then I'm thinking, uh, why would not this have been done in Game 5 other than the fact that maybe the Astros are thinking using Verlander, they would have just tried to uh, go ahead and wrap it up. But I'm not so sure I like this. To me, this is almost this is almost playing into the Yankees' hands tonight, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, from that perspective, uh, just using a bullpen game, I think favors the Yankees a little bit more uh, than it does the Astros. And uh, you know, I'm not so sure AJ Hinch made the right choice in Game Five by throwing Verlander as opposed to having him throw game six and then Cole in game seven. I'm not a fan of this bullpen game for the Astros tonight. I think it favors the Yankees. Well, they made a, they made a very interesting decision. They made a very interesting decision to not 
keep Wade Miley active. I mean, yeah. now Wade Miley pitched very well for 75, 80% of the season. Well, coming down the stretch, he was not very good. He was good horrible. At, uh, he was horrible last in couple September, starts, he was but terrible. For, a, for a game at Yankee Stadium, I could have seen him pitching game five. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, big, big center field, big left center field, uh, that kind of plays into what he does well. Uh, you know, and even if he's even if he doesn't have quite his control, uh, you know, fly balls don't necessarily hurt you as much in that ballpark as it would in other ballparks. Right. All right. Um, we're making our connection. We're having some phone difficulties or something's wrong. I have a feeling it's uh, on our end, but we're trying to get our man Mo Gabba on uh, in just a moment. Still upcoming at 11:25, Rick Peterson. And then, do you know Rock Newman at all? No, I've met Rock, but okay. I've, I've not. I, you have I've any never... idea what he does today? No, I do not. Yeah. Well, we're going to try and find out. He is a long-standing. You're not getting him no answer. Is it ringing? Okay. Can't, I don't understand that, but. Uh... I'll call him one more time. Okay. Okay. Well, this is the number. This is the right number. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sometimes the best laid plans of mice and men right, often exactly. go astray. Um, what were we just talking? And, about? and then the mice eat all your cheese. <laughs> right. You know. <laughs> what were we just talking? Well, we're about? talking about uh, you know Rock Newman and what he's Rock doing. Newman, right. Of course, Rock was the manager for Riddick Bow. Right. Famous uh, heavyweight champion of the world. Remember that fight where he uh, was fighting Evander Holyfield and somebody f- dropped in on the parachute? Yes. Remember that? Uh, vaguely, yes. Okay. That was in Las Vegas. Like in like the fifth round, a parachute is lands. It was at the MGM Grand, the, the one that was outside. Right. And all of a sudden, a parachuter. Did we get it? No. Okay. All right. We'll keep trying. We'll keep all trying. Right. All right. Uh, it was like in the fourth or fifth round of the fight of a heavyweight championship fight, a parachute just out of the clear blue he lands into the uh, in the ring. You know, took him about four or five minutes to get him untangled and get him the hell out of there. <laughs> get him off the ropes, yeah. if you will. Well, it was like very similar to the Don Croner, you yeah, know, flying, flying in, in you know. the Memorial Stadium, yeah, yeah, yeah. into the upper deck. You know, and the and the, the funniest thing about I say funny is that thank God. The game was the blowout that it was with the Steelers in that playoff game in in 76 because had it not been, and the game is on the line and you're coming down in the fourth quarter, uh, a lot of people could have been seriously hurt uh, in the the upper deck. And if you remember an Envision Memorial Stadium, he flew the plane into the upper deck right behind what would have been home plate. Yeah, section Section 1, Section 41. I'll never forget. The, seeing the, my brother, who was a great photographer and had a camera and happened to be there, went up and shot some pictures of that. And I always wanted to f- frame one of the pictures, you know, in big frame, you know, because it's really one of the most bizarre with the plane there in the upper in, deck yes. of Memorial Stadium. Sticking out of the stands. And the, the film got lost when he developed it. Uh, you know, he took Remember how you used yeah, to develop Yeah, you had developed film, film yeah. Remember that? Remember the old days? Of yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. A lot of things. You know, when I, we were we were discussing some of the old-time stuff the other night. We we always feed audio packages right. anymore by right. 
uh, by computer and you do your voice work and you, you, you upload it on the computer and you're able to edit and do very neat and neat things, if you will, to make it sound the way you want, uh, add extra effects and things of that nature. Well, back in the day, you had a handheld phone with a receiver that you, you know, unscrewed the receiver part from right. the phone and uh, it, it it was called a voice act. Right. And you would take a mini-to-mini wire out of your recorder, which was a cassette tape recorder of whatever kind you used, and you plugged it into the uh, voice act, and that's how you sent audio through the phone. Right. And uh, all your sound bites at that point in time in radio had, it was phone quality, you know. And uh, that's not the case anymore. And boy, have we come a long, long way technology-wise since then. No question about it. No question about it. So we're apparently not going to make our connection with our friend Mo Gabba. He's okay. not on Facebook right now. Nobody is answering the phone at his place, so mm-hmm. we'll reschedule Mr. Gabba. All right. Okay. Um, but if you, if, if you know the story of Mo, uh, he's going through a heck of a lot, boy. There's and nobody going through what he's, what, gone, what through. he's gone through. The inspiration yeah. that he is to our town is uh, pretty amazing. And our town needs some inspiration. Yeah. And, and, uh, and his mom have been great inspirations. And the, the way the Orioles and the Ravens have reached out to him and have offered him uh, yeah. you know, chances to do things. That, 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 that It's just amazing. It's amazing. It really yeah. is. And kudos to the Orioles. Kudos to the Ravens. Uh, I, I know uh, in here in town, he uh, is a is is a big anybody that's a fan of uh, Scott and Jeremy on one hundred five seven. Sure, that's where fan, he got discovered. That's where he got discovered, and uh, uh, it's it's just it's great when they have him on, and he comes up with his picks of the week and things of that nature. It's it's just fabulous. You know what the the real thing about him is, and I was talking to Glenn about this earlier on the show, is. I didn't know when I heard him on Scott and Jeremy, what, three and a half years ago, yeah. something like that. Didn't know he was blind, mm-hmm. you know, when you first hear him. Don't right. know that he's been battling cancer multiple times. You just you just have this source of light and positivity and happiness. It's really quite yeah. remarkable. Yeah. Right, and, quite remarkable. And his mom, his mom is great people as well. And, uh, you know, God bless her for... Uh, being there and and doing the things that she does for, you know, as she says online, my love bug. <laughs> he is the love bug. He is the love well, anyway, bug. Anyway, we'll have to re- reconnoiter and uh, figure out uh, how we're going to get them on the show. But uh, disappointed because I, I love talking to the kid. I've just gotten to know him a little bit the other day. Mm-hmm. I told Glenn this story the other day. So I he friends me on Facebook last week. And how he would read that and know it's me, you know. Mm-hmm. So I said, I have to, I said, Mo, how does this work for somebody that's blind? I don't have the experience of understanding. Is it voice, is Facebook like voice activated or is it Braille? And he, he gets back to me and he goes, Braille is spelled B-R-A-I-L-E. Uh-huh. You, you spelled it B. <laughs> He's correcting my spelling. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. You go Mo. Yeah, you love bug. <laughs> love bug this. All right. Well, we're going to have Rick Peterson on in about eight or nine minutes. Yeah. Uh, we can probably move that up 
till about you'll call them about 21 after. So the World Series starts Tuesday in the American League ballpark, right? And they've been kind enough to give us start times. Why? Why couldn't they have given us start times of the World Series games like four or five days ago? Like I'm on the Mid Atlantic Sports Report, and all we're we're showing the schedule. TBA, but TBD to be determined yeah. or to be announced. Yeah, right. right. Well, I mean, what is the point that they couldn't have done that four days uh, ago? I have no idea. Okay. All right. Well, tonight, game six. The, is only, the only thing I can think of is just the hour difference in time, but that shouldn't – I mean, that yeah, shouldn't make shouldn't a difference. They're, they're not going to no. do the games at 9 and No, right, eight. exactly. They're all going to start at 8.08. Right. Um, the games, by the way, t- tonight is from Minute Maid Park in Houston. Mm-hmm. It will start at 8.08 Eastern time. And next and tomorrow night will be Game Seven if needed, uh, and that would take place at Minute Maid Park at seven thirty-eight. Right. Okay. Um, World Series games one and two will be in the American League Park at eight oh eight. Games three, four, and five will be at Game Five if necessary. At Nats if the Park. Nats don't sweep, Games three, four, <laughs> and five will be at Nats Park Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday night. Right. Correct. All at eight oh eight. I'm mm-hmm. guessing. Um, and then game six and seven would be back in the American League Park. Hmm. You have a feeling uh, that it's still going to be Houston, or what do you think? I, I still like Houston to win the series, yeah, because, I mean, in the, in the end, you're going to be looking at Cole. Uh, if it goes seven, you're going to be looking at Cole at home, and I understand Severino's pitching for the Yankees, but in that matchup in that ballpark, I still like Cole. Okay. Yeah. You, know, you can't and, help but like Cole. No, and in the bullpen game – you know, tonight, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens and, and you know, who 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 wins the battle there. Uh, we know how good the Yankees' bullpen is, especially on the back end. Uh, some of the middle guys give me a little bit of concern, but I, I think, you know, especially the way Green got, you know, torched a little bit the last time out. He had been really, really good. really been good, for, yeah. For but now, the last two months Right, or so. let's see what happens, whether it was just a – a blip on the radar or whether he bounces back. But, uh, uh, again, I, I just think it's one of those things where a bullpen game probably favors the Yankees a little bit more uh, than it does the Astros. But we'll wait and see. All right. Starts tonight at 8.08, game six of the American League Championship Series. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we reach out to Rick Peterson, the Redskins have a home game tomorrow yeah. against the San Francisco 49ers. Um Got a feeling Kyle Shanahan, if he is given the opportunity, I'm not saying he's coming in with revenge in mind or something to avenge his father being treated uh, the way he was by uh, Dan Snyder, but have the feeling that there will be, if they are in a position, there will be no mercy by Kyle Shanahan tomorrow. Uh, That's a good possibility, but I think a lot of that's uh, water under the bridge now, to be honest with you. I just think he wants to keep his team... Uh, playing the way that they've played all year long, yeah. and if if that happens, then that's more than likely well, going the to happen. The byproduct be, of it, right? Exactly. Uh, you know, but uh, uh, again, this is just a this is a pretty good football team that I don't think a lot of people thought was going to be all that good a football team in the beginning of the year. Yeah. All right. Uh, your thoughts on the Ravens at Seattle tomorrow? Seattle three and a half point favorite. Yeah, your thoughts? Tough game. I I look at it to be right around that kind of spread. 
Russell Wilson to me is the X factor. Uh, you know, it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, on the defensive side of the ball now for the Ravens. You think Peters is much of a help? I, I think he can help. He can't certainly hurt. Uh, but again, that's all. A lot of it's all going to be doesn't determined. Include the, it doesn't improve the pass. Rush. Doesn't improve the pass rush. You're absolutely right. But he is a quality player, and he'll help in the secondary. Uh, and and uh, you know, again, it's. I think the X factor is Russell Wilson and and being able to contain him and keep him in the pocket. But you know what happens when that doesn't happen? Yeah. And he gets outside. He makes plays, and and he's going to be a lot like Lamar in that you know situation. And uh, here's a situation, too, where Lamar, uh, he threw the ball 30 times last week against the Bengals. I didn't even think he had to throw it that much. Right. You know, I I, I just think, I, I, you know, how I predict football games and point spreads, I'm not great at it, but I, I ain't chopped liver either. I'm somewhere in the middle, and I'm probably a little bit on knowing my stuff I just have a sense that tomorrow's game is going to be a team that no understands it really needs this game, and that's John Harbaugh's team. And a team they're going to be meeting a team who thinks it's you know what doesn't stink right now. Yeah, but that's Pete Carroll, and that's all the time, you know, with them. And I don't think it's, I don't think that's just. You well, know. no, I think they're going to they're I think they're going to come into the game a little over. They're they're not going to be as intense as as normal and I think this is a high scoring game and I think the Ravens keep it very close if not only well, uh, a, yeah I think it's a high scoring game and I think the Ravens uh I think it's 37 34 and yeah, a, something I won't like even that pick the winner of the game but I but I think Seattle at home that's a tough place to play uh when the Ravens were making their first run to the Super Bowl and they beat Tennessee down in Tennessee I always thought that that stadium was the loudest stadium I'd ever been in uh, short of RFK because of how RFK would pack 56,000 people into a cookie-cutter type stadium. Right. But everything was, like, right on top of you. Uh, I always thought that Tennessee was the loudest place I'd ever been in, into until I covered two Redskins playoff games out at the link. Uh, and that's what they were calling it back then, uh, Century Link Field. Right. Uh, as opposed to the link in Philly. But uh, – uh, that, that to me, I mean, and just the way the stadium is structured lends itself to crowd noise going mm-hmm. in and down. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always thought that uh, Tennessee was the loudest until I covered those two playoff games up there. You want to know what's going on this season in high school football throughout the state of Maryland? Then tune in to Press Box High School Football Show with Booker Corrigan and legendary former McDonough coach Dom D'Amico. The guys will discuss everything happening at both the private and public school levels every Monday at 12.30 p.m. Watch at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. And by the way, you can find those things um, by going, if you want to listen and you know the show's already happened, you can just go to PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. All right. Uh, lots of great events are coming to the Live Event Center at Live Casino Hotel during the rest of 2019, including a very special show. Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Michael Bolton on Saturday, November 30th. Doors open at 
Tickets start at $45.50. Get your tickets now by going to livecasinohotel.com. Um, and the other, <clears throat> pardon me. Mm. It's easy for you to say. It is. <clears throat> the other part of that is how how involved or how emotional is Earl Thomas going to be tomorrow, too? That, apparently a, his uh, team is very psyched for him. Jamison Hensley yeah. did something on ESPN dot com yesterday about that so uh that is a factor yeah i think it's a big big factor because the last time we saw earl thomas in that ball he was he was was flipping pete carroll the bird as he was being (laughs) carted off the field you know with an injury so it'll be interesting to see because earl this this week talked about yeah you know how he's looking forward to seeing some of his ex-teammates and things of that nature right uh i'm not so sure uh, the, the meeting would be so cordial if Earl walked up, uh, or I mean, if uh, Pete Carroll walks up to Earl and says, "Hey, Earl, how are you?" <laughs> so, from that standpoint, I think uh, this will be uh, something to watch tomorrow. Just the what what kind of uh, reaction that Earl Thomas gets, uh, not just from the fans, but from his teammates, and going back there and playing against his ex mates, where you know, I think he'd like to make a statement. I couldn't agree more with. All right, there we have. <laughs> there we go. Okay. So I mean, Do you, you know, go ahead, Ryan. The name of our next guest book is called Crunch Time. And Stan, if you just want to continue what you're saying, then just introduce him. Okay. Thank you. All right. Joining us right now is former Orioles roving pitching instructor or director of pitching operations, Rick Peterson, longtime MLB pitching coach. For several teams, the Oakland A's, the Milwaukee Brewers, New York Mets, and he's a friend of mine, Rick Peterson. Rick, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Stan? Good, and you remember my co-host, Craig Heist? Yep, absolutely. How are you doing, Craig? I'm good. Good. Uh, getting set for some World Series play around this area. Not with the Orioles, but with the Nationals. Yeah, and we like to call it the World Series. Yeah, That's exactly. Right. Now... Uh, that that starting rotation of the Washington Nationals. How carefully have you watched them in this postseason, Rick? You know, I've watched a good bit of it. You know, I mean, it's, it's kind of challenging sometimes when you have like multiple games on. Um, but I've gone back and forth, and I tell you what, I mean, where they are right now, they're in as good a place as anybody in in baseball. And I think it just goes to show you, like, how fragile the, the postseason is. I mean, people had the Dodgers going to the World Series when the season started, but you got to play the games, and and I think it really shows the resilience, the resiliency, and 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 also the what do I say? The ups and downs, the bumps in the road of of what a hundred and sixty two game schedule is, because it is a it is a major major marathon, and for whatever reason, the media right now, you know, because they want to like have all these great stories. You know, so they're already like talking about who's in the playoffs when it gets to the All Star break. Right. But you know, they haven't got there yet, and and they think just because the team has done so well. But but I think the other big factor is that when you get into a short season, so for example, let's take let's take the Nets. Strasburg, you know, missed some time this year, um, or Scherzer missed some time as well. 
so so what what is, I, I'm not even sure exactly. Do you know how many starts that they all had? Did they uh, have like around 20, you, well, 22 starts? No, no, starts? no. Strasburg made most of his starts. I don't think he, he missed. probably had 31. 31 to 32. But uh, Scherzer missed uh, with the back and the uh, shoulder, the shoulder injury. Six uh, or seven. Probably six or seven starts from about the all-star break right before then up until when he came back at the end of August. So he had about what twenty four, twenty five. I would Probably think so. Uh, yes, yep, right, right, right around there. Right, and and and, Cor- and Corbin had what? Did he did he make all thirty of thirty th- plus of his yeah, starts? Yeah, I think yeah. he I think he made all of his starts this year. Right. So when you look at those three guys pitching, you know, so so they pitched, you know, roughly what is that sixty and eighty? They they roughly pitched about close to fifty percent of their games. You know, a little bit less than fifty percent of their games. You get into you get into a seven game series. Those three guys are going to pitch probably six of those seven games. So that's the big difference in the postseason that I don't think people really realize because they look at offensive numbers from the opposing team that they're facing, and they're going, look at these, like, like when you look at the Astros and the Yankees, I mean, the numbers that they threw up during the season offensively are just off the charts. But, but, but what happens is they're facing, you know, like over half their games, they're facing the four and five you know, four and five starters of the other teams, and and the other team's number three starter isn't anywhere close to what Corbin is. You know, so when you look at that, or you know, Sanchez, you start to realize how, how fragile the postseason is. That's my point. Right, or, or Sanchez, for that matter. I mean, here's a guy that started 0-6, and he winds up winning 12 games, 13 games, and uh, winds up throwing no-hit ball in that first, uh, yep. uh, that first game against the Cardinals. And that was the other point, you know. The Cardinals don't score an earned run in that series until the fourth game in the fifth inning. Yeah, that's incredible. That's yeah, incredible. Really incredible. Rick, um, it really, really incredible. I want to ask you one thing. Normally, the the Nationals have won sixteen out of their last eighteen games, including the regular season. Normally, you don't want any time off when you're on a when you're on the momentum, the positive momentum swing. Is there a possibility though that this time? that their pitchers could use the, the sort of decompression time and a little bit of regathering of themselves, and it's a help? What do you think? Well, yeah, well, their pitchers, it's not going to affect their pitching. It's going gonna, it's gonna to affect their offense. You know, and, and that's something that you always get concerned about during the season and coming back off the, the All-Star break because you, know, you can go into the break on fire and come back the opposite or vice versa. Um, you know, so th- this this layoff to me is going to be it- it's really concerning to me for the for the offense. It's not going to affect the pitching at all because the pitchers the pitchers can go to the game mound and throw game stuff. You know, they, they can do that. Hitters, you know, and and you you're really you're not really crazy about doing inner squads because you're afraid like someone's going to get hit. You know, you don't want and you don't want your pitching. You know, you're dominating pitching facing your your offense. You know, and then you, you don't want to bring up young kids like from instructional league, you know, so hitters can face live pitching because, you know, you're just a little concerned about the command. You know, someone gets nicked by a pitch and hitting the wrist or something or hitting the elbow and, you know, now you miss time. You know, so it, it really is kind of tricky. And, and, I, and I think you, you're not going to know until you come back, but and come back until you start to play again, you know, which is going to be what, Tuesday? Yeah. Right. So, so when you look at the, the pitching that they're going to face, coming back in, you know, from either the Yankees or or the Astros, either one, you know, and and especially if the Astros clinch now, now, now you're getting Cole for three games. Right. Probably. Well, here, here's, you know, the other, so, 
here's the other thing uh, with with the numbers that you uh, were, were were wondering about. Scherzer made 27 starts. Corbin and Strasburg 33 each, and Sanchez 30. So you you look at those four guys. That, that's a lot of pitching. It is, and you know what? That was very similar to what the, the kind of starting pitching that we had when I was in Oakland. Yeah, you know, like Mulder, Hudson, Zito. You know, they those guys almost never went on a DL. And you know, you 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 can count on picking up ninety games from those three guys. You know, which is incredible. And and I think that's what you know that that's why exactly the reason that you just stated right there of those starts. That's why the Nats were able to overcome this this you know really rough start that they had. Because when you have that kind of starting pitching, and, and, and everybody's going to bullpenning, the reason people are going to bullpenning because they don't have that starting pitching, right? You know, and and, and I, I know, you know, I know Rizzo. He's a big proponent of how to build a team. One of his big backbones of that team is dominant starting pitching, yep. and you know they, they've built a team the way the traditional teams have been built, and that, that's why I think you know it really just goes to show how dominating they can be. We're talking to Rick Peterson, uh, extraordinary pitching coach uh, and a motivational speaker. And Rick, uh, tell folks your book, uh, Crunch Time, uh, and I forget the subtitle of the book, but it's Crunch Time. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the focus of that book. Well, the name of the book is Crunch Time, How to Be Your Best When It Matters Most. And, And it's all about elite athletes and elite business leaders and their ability to reframe a pressure situation and shift it from a threat to an opportunity. And it was, it was really a, you know, it, it's really a, a combination or, or a copulation, I, I would say, of, of, of really understanding how people deal with fear, worry, and doubt, and how people overcome that fight, flight, or freeze, you know, moment. Because when you take a look at, like, professional sports, especially, because it's what we're talking about here on, on the show, but you look at professional sports and, you know, and, and just, just think of, of anybody that you really admire in your game or, or in life, for that matter, and say, like, wow, this is like one of my heroes. The, 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 what makes that, those people so special is that they've overcome the adversity in their life. Everybody has adversity. Everybody goes through the fear, worry, and doubt of life. Everybody deals with pressure on a daily basis, whether it's career, financial, family pressure. But the people who are most successful are the people that have a great attitude and they're able to look at this as, as part of daily life, and they're able to shift it from a threat to an opportunity. We're talking to Rick Peterson, uh, and we're in the live casino hotel studio. Rick, uh, the, the, the book, you co-wrote it with somebody. I don't have my notes in front of me today, uh, but you co-wrote it with somebody. Whose idea was the book? Was it the writer came to you? Or you went to him and said, hey, I got a great idea for a book. No, this is really a combination of, of many people across my career. When, when I was in Oakland, and I was there when Michael Lewis came to write to write the book Moneyball. And actually, he came, he came to spring training to write an article for the New Yorker magazine. And after three weeks of being in spring training and interviewing everybody for, for over that period of time, he called his publisher and said, you know, look, this is a bestseller. And Michael and Michael Lewis was a Wall Streeter. He had yeah, written Liar's yeah. Poker. That was his. That was his first uh, big, 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 big seller. And of course, he wrote The Big Short and and Blindside. You know, three of his books have become Academy Award winning movies. And I sat the Mike. I sat next to Michael Lewis on the team bus the entire season. And Michael always would say, like, you know, you you really need to write a book, Rick. You know, 
And I said, I'm not writing a book about me, and I'm not writing a book about baseball, but if I could meet the right person and really write the message about, you know, what makes people so so special, that what makes them so successful is the fact that, that they're able to perform their best under pressure. I mean, that's what makes them so unique. You know, and then, you you know, you look at, like, all these examples that have gone on for all these years. I remember listening to an interview um, with Derek Jeter, and they asked Derek, they said, Derek, do you ever get nervous? Do you ever get nervous in a big game? He goes, yeah, when my teammates are batting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then you look at Tom Brady, you know, when they were down by 21 points in the Super Bowl, and he comes into the locker room, you know, everybody's hanging their heads, and he brings all his team together. He goes, guys, listen, we have the, we have the opportunity to have the greatest comeback right. win in Super Bowl history. He looked at it as an opportunity. And, and so when you really look at what makes people so special, and one thing that was really cool, when I was a young coach with the Chicago White Sox, I was there when Michael Jordan was playing baseball, and right. I was actually co-directing the sports psychology program at that time. And I had a chance to, to get to know Michael well. And I asked Michael one day, I said, Michael, was there ever like a moment, was there like a moment in your life that you realized like, holy geez, like I'm MJ. I'm right. like one of the most prominent right. players ever. He said, actually, there was. He said, after my sophomore year in college, Coach Smith brought me in. He said, Michael, I want you to watch this videotape. And he had practice footage and game footage of about 30-second clips, and mm-hmm. he scrambled them. And he said, I want you to tell me what, y- what year each one of these clips are from. And he said also that Coach Smith had told me, Michael, you're one of the greatest physical talents of our time. Mm-hmm. You have more talent than anybody <clears throat> in today's game. So after he went through the videotape, he said sophomore, freshman, freshman, sophomore, he identified each clip. And afterwards, Coach Smith said, so what's your takeaway, Michael? And basically what Michael said was, he said, you know what, my freshman year, I had a great year. I had a great year. Mm -hmm. And I prepared great. My sophomore year, I had a really, really good year, and I prepared really good. And I understood at that moment, with the talent that I have, that talent does not equal performance. Preparation equals performance. And I knew that if I prepared great on a daily basis... And I knew that the price to pay to be best didn't come cheaply. It doesn't go on sale. You can't go to coup- you don't get coupons for it. You can't go to Marshalls or Target. You got to pay full price. And that he said that was the moment that I realized, like, wow, I can be one of the greatest players of all time. And those are the kind of stories that are in the book. How hard is it to get people and athletes, uh, special? And just I'm just referring to baseball in general, but just. How tough is it to get guys to buy into that? It really isn't at all, because the one thing that about every everybody that plays, they all want to be best. I mean, they have a burning desire to be best. You can't get to the major league level without one, wanting to be best. And and it's only and it's not just best best player, but it's being the best person. Because in order to stay in the big leagues a long period of time, you have to be a major league person first. And, and I've had the privilege of coaching Hall of Famers, four Hall of Famers. I coached Roy Halladay, Tom Glavin, Pedro Martinez, and Trevor Hoffman. And and the one common thing with all those guys is that, you know, they're, they're Hall of Fame people, without question. And that's a prerequisite to become a Hall of Fame player. So when those guys go through tough times, if you have something to offer them, you know, like, like when you say, like, buy into it. So take a look at Garrett Cole and Verlander. And look at the difference of the kind of pitcher they are going to Houston, where they were, for, as opposed to Detroit and Pittsburgh. Right. Why? Be, why? Because they got there, and their analytic team opened up the books and showed them, like, listen, here's a different way that you you have different tools that you're not using in this toolkit, 
And if you use these tools right here, we're going to show you statistically why you can be so much better than what you've been in the past. How tough is that to get them to buy into it? You don't think they want to back up? You think they'd rather strike somebody out than go back up third? Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hey, hey Rick, um, you and I have talked. We've gotten to know each other over the past couple of years. It's mostly been on the phone and on this program. I told you one time, and I don't know if you remember this, I argued with Kevin Malone, who was the assistant GM here in Baltimore. This is about 18 years ago, uh, mm-hmm. 21 years ago. He, he was a firm believer that Arthur Rhodes was going to be a major league star as a starting pitcher. And I told him that I thought Arthur Rhodes was a better relief pitcher. And I mentioned this idea to you a couple years ago, and you chose to go in a different direction. It was about Kevin Gaussman. My feelings were exactly the same, that Gaussman would be a better relief pitcher than a starting pitcher. And you said... I could fix Gosman, what's ailing him right now. Uh, I know what he's doing wrong and all this. But are there certain people that it's actually better for them to come to the park that night and not know whether they're going to be used or not versus having four or five days of not knowing how to prepare? Well, you bring up multiple different points here, yeah. Stan. So, so, so you have one issue. One is, is the reason that that you thought that Kevin Gosman and Arthur Rhodes would be a better reliever because they don't have the mind to flip a lineup over three times? Is, or is it because you don't think they have the weapons? So if you if you break felt, down Kevin Gosman... Let me answer the question. I felt that they were better not sort of having the four or five days that they didn't know how to prepare versus coming to the park and needing to be prepared that night to pitch. Does that make any right, sense? So, so you're, so, right, so your point is you don't think they had the mind to do this. Yes, correct. You're not, you're not talking about, because when you break down a starting pitcher, yeah. a good starting pitcher in the big leagues, they have to be able to throw, to locate their fastball to four, four quadrants of the, of, of the strike zone. They have to have it, probably two different, two different off-speed pitches, secondary pitches, right. that have two different speeds and two different types of movement that they can tunnel pitches you know, from, from, from different places and different quadrants. A relief pitcher is probably a two-pitch pitcher, right. more, more, much more a two-pitch pitcher than, than a three-pitch pitcher. And, and most relievers, like you take a look at Chapman, go look at Chapman's numbers as a starter in the minor leagues. He was awful. He doesn't have the command to be, to be a starting pitcher. Correct, agreed. But, but, all right, so Kevin Gosman, Kevin Gosman, when we signed Kevin Gosman when I was in Baltimore, mm-hmm. And, and I can only compare it to other guys that I've had. Kevin Gosman had the physical ability every bit as good as a Mulder Hudson Zito. Every right. bit as good right. as one of those three guys, without question. Now, so when you're talking about they don't know how to prepare for five days, what do you think a major league pitching coach is supposed to do? They're supposed to teach him how to prepare. Right, exactly. Yeah. But I also think, right. I also so, think so, in the case of Gosman, I thought he was damaged by the fact that the club – never took its time developing him as well and teaching him how to pitch at the minor league level. The, the issue with Kevin Gosman is the fact that we had so many multiple different philosophies in, in the organization when I was there. I'm not going to get into the details of that. But we had different philosophies. And, and I came from a money ball philosophy. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and we, you know, we, were, we were the 
you know, we were the beginning of taking a look at all this data, this kind of stuff that we fell into. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll, I'll give you, like, a major point of one of the things that we fell into at that point. You don't hear the analytic, you don't hear any a- analytic or a- an a- a- analyst talk about this point. So I went to Paul DiBattista one day, and I said, Paul, can you run some numbers? Or, is there data on total batters faced, like our pitching staff, and the, the amount of total batters faced that the other team sends to home plate as it relates to winning percentage. Is there any data on that? So he came back after going through some research and said, came back and said, yeah, here it is, right here. So if, if you face 27 batters, you're going to win every game if you play nine innings and your team scores one run. Right? Yeah. It's a perfect game. You go 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33. You keep going, and your winning percentage keeps dropping by fractions. Mm-hmm. Then you get to a certain number, and your winning percentage would be just it was just over 60%. We would win about 61, 62% of the games. The next batter that came to home plate was the biggest drop off of winning percentage. It dropped by over 20%. It dropped down to 40%. Wow. It, and back in that day, it was 38 total batters. You would win 61% of the games. The 39th batter coming to home plate, that's, that, that, that was when, we were, when I was in Oakland. Right. That we're playing Seattle and Texas. That's A-Rod coming to the home plate for the fifth time. Right, right. Now, now, now what you've seen because of the analytics and, and team bringing in analytic teams. Yep. You know, to, to look at all this research, now what you're seeing is teams are batting their best hitter second. Right. Why? That's the 38th total batter faced. Okay. So they moved, they moved the 39th guy to 38. Wow. That's really increase your winning percent. Right. You don't hear anybody talk about that. No, you don't at all. It's the first right, time I've ever reason, heard it. That, that's the reason why. So every team, once they started looking at this, they start going, well, Trout's hitting second, Judge is hitting second. Right. Right. They're putting their best guy hitting second, and then you start running those numbers over the course of 162 games, and now you take a look at, for example, I don't know what the number is, but now you're looking at, like, say, 45 more at-bats if you're hitting second as opposed to third. Well, go take a look at what Trout does in 45 at-bats. So it had to do with how you run your bullpen, because they would say, like, and we, this whole thing of, like, this bullpenning right now, we didn't, we didn't need the bullpen, just like the Nats don't need a bullpen, because we had dominant starting pitching. But we, we, took, we were looking at these numbers of what happens when you get through the lineup for the third time. There's only a handful of pitchers in the game, Strasburg happens to be one of them, that his, his batting average against him goes down the third time through right, the lineup. Right, right that, that's why he's so dominant. Rick, I got so fascinated with talking with you that I'm running late for my next guest. Can we do this again in a few weeks? Mm-hmm. I love sure, ta- absolutely. I, I love talking baseball with you. Rick Peterson, the book is Crunch Time, How to Be Your Best When It Matters Most. That was And one you of can the check, mo- out, check out rickpetersoncoaching.com. All right, we'll do it. I'll call you back in a couple weeks, all right? You got it, Stan. Be all well. All right, thank you. Rick Peterson. Yeah. That was really it's fascinating. fascinating. Absolutely. Fascinating. But he was alluding to the fact, and I've talked to you about it both on the air and, and Duquette hires him. Duquette's a believer in what he's teaching, but Buck wasn't a believer in what he's right, teaching. Right, exactly. And, 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 and I'm not that's saying that's what whether, happens when you're not on the same page. You've got to have your oars in the same direction, right? If you're in a canoe and you and I are in a canoe 
and you got your orders going north and mine or south, we ain't going anywhere. You're right. All right. It's kind of like the show sometimes. <laughs> very similar. Very similar to the show yeah. sometimes. All right. We're going to make our connection now. I apologize. I now have, I did not know that. I had Sansa's, Sansa Gabba's phone number, mm-hmm. right? So I'm telling Mo, all of a sudden he pops up on Facebook. So I said, we tried to call you. And he says, here's my number. <laughs> so right. I said, can we book you next week? And mm-hmm. we got Mo Gabba for next week. All right. His mom probably was out of the house right. with her phone. And well, yeah, that probably, yeah, that yeah. explains it. All right. Uh, so. so Mo just takes matters into his, own, his hands. own hands. Exactly. No question. <laughs> and I'm telling him how bad I feel, and he says, it's okay. <laughs> He's too much. All right, joining us now is somebody that I've, I can't say I've known him. I've known of him and admired him and admired one of his main clients that he had. Uh, and this is Rock Newman, boxing empresario and a lifelong Washington baseball fan. Rock, you're on with Stan the Fan and Craig Ice. How are you, Rock? Hey, guys. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, I really really appreciate it. How have you enjoyed this Nats ride from 19 and 31 to where they are right now? (laughs) You know, man, I often tell the story of my eighth-grade science teacher. Um, he told me at one point, you know, I was kind of talkative in class and I'd be laughing and joking. And so he said something and I guess I had some kind of a, a, a funny look on my mug. He was like, Newman, get that stupid looking smile off your face. Well, since, since we got past the eighth inning of that last playoff game, when, um, when, when, when they had the bases loaded, when the Cardinals had the bases loaded, I think in one out, uh, you know, I was holding on to my chest so my heart wouldn't come out. <laughs> so <laughs> when we got past that man and then got in that ninth inning, and uh, as the ball was coming down uh, to Robles in center field, and he squeezed it, man, and we let out, I think, I let out what was a, I'm 67 years old. Since I've been conscious of baseball, four or five years old, you know, man, I let out a 64-year scream, man, that the home that my home team was going to the World Series for the first time, and I've had that stupid-looking smile on my face ever since. <laughs> well, it's funny because I, you know, having covered this team since its inception, when they come to came from Montreal, uh, I, I wind up seeing how they you know, try to, you know, put the Expos history in with the Nationals a little bit. And, and you know, I, I get that part of it. But to think about that city, you know, and then they lost the Senators twice, and yet this is the first World Series since 33. Uh, the last time they won a World Series in that town was 1924. So from that standpoint, I mean, that's a long time coming. Yeah, man, and you know what? I- I'll tell you. You know, I, one could one can accuse me of of practicing a deep sense of denial or head buried in the sand or otherwise, but you know, I, I really don't attach any kind of thing. You know, to Montreal. I mean, I I just you know, man, look on what was it September the thirtieth? I think nineteen seventy one. That was the last game. The That's last, the last game. Yeah. The, the last game at at RFK Stadium, 
I was one of those knuckleheads that jumped over the railing and went out and picked up some of the grass. So, so, so you know. were the reason they had to forfeit that game. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, man. Um, and Frank Howard hit a home run in that game. He had a monster shot. Yes, in he that did. Game. Yes, he did. Um, um, but you know, my heart has always been that it was a DC. It was a DC club. You know, I hated both owners that. That, that took the clubs, uh, that took the teams away from us. You know, I go back, man, to having gone to a game at, 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 at Griffith Park, you know, at, at four years old. Griffith, my, sta- Griffith Stadium. With, Griffith, Griffith Stadium. Stadium. Yeah, yep. Griffith Stadium. And, um, you know, I still, man, I, even as I say it now, it, it, was, I, it was my first time ever going to a, a, a professional park, you know, and just, you know, the feeling of walking in there. So, you know, for me, for me, it go it goes that deep. And you know, I spent a lot of time away from here in my travels. Lived in New Jersey, lived in Las Vegas. You know, but man, I'm telling you, there's just there's just there's just not much in the world that is as sweet as as a lifelong you know baseball fan. I played baseball as a kid through a uh, little league. You know. Uh, I played it, started playing in the men's league when I was 13 years old. I got a full scholarship to Howard. So baseball has meant so, so, so very much to me. But, you know, I wrote something on Facebook. I said, you know, not having hope is hurtful. And we had such cellar-dwelling teams for so long. Unbelievable. I loved it. I loved baseball. I loved my home team. But I didn't have hope with that team, you know? And so to come full circle and sort of the hope and the dream when they turned it around in May to come storming back as they've done and just, I mean, they just bludgeoned the Cardinals, you know? Well, you remember. And, um, so, man, it's a, it's a truly been a, a euphoric feeling. Rock, you remember that old saying? What was it? The United States, Washington D.C. First in war, first in peace, and last in the American League. Last in the Amer- <laughs> last in the American League. I mean, you know, but still, you know, again, as a kid, you remember all the names: Chuck Cottier at at at, at second base, who couldn't hit his way. He couldn't <laughs> bust a, as Riddick Bowe used to say, he couldn't bust a grape in a fruit fight. <laughs> Eddie Brinkman at shortstop, Aurelio Rodriguez at third, Paul Casanova behind the plate, you know. Don Locke, Don Locke in center field. That's right, Don Locke, that's right. Freddie, Val- and, and Freddie also, Valentine. Also, also in center field, Jimmy Pearsall. That's <laughs> right, that's right. Uh, what did you... Ran- Hit a home run and ran around the bases backwards. backwards. So, so when the Nats left in '71, at the end of the '71 season to move to Arlington, what did? Where did your baseball passion go? I know you didn't root for the Texas Rangers. No, no, I did not. I absolutely did not. I, I, I will tell you that um, coming into the 1962 season, right? Um, most of my family were diehard Dodger fans, and I kind of always was the oddball, you know? Yeah. And um, because I so worshipped Willie Mays, I became a San Francisco Giants fan. God, you and I are and, exactly, um, you and I are exactly I mean, alike, yeah. Willie, Willie Mays was like a, was like a dad to me. The kids 
the kids, you know, how you you play dozens on the playground and talk about your mom. They wouldn't talk about my mom. They would say, Willie May struck out last night. I was like, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. He never strikes out. <laughs> and so I really became a San Francisco Giants fan. And then when, um, when, you know, when they pretty much broke up, they played the Yankees in that World Series, man, and Willie McCovey hit that blistering line drive that uh, Bobby Richardson speared at second base. Yeah. You had um, – and so after the after that team broke up, I really more sort of identified with certain players. You know, okay. um, I, I was a huge uh, I was a huge Reggie Jackson fan. Uh-huh. You know, so uh, that's kind of where my where my sentiments uh, went. And um, you know, I came back here. You know, I, I frankly I was really really disappointed. That uh, that that the uh, Nationals brass didn't give um, Dusty Baker another season. I yep. thought he had had two great seasons. Uh, the team had failed in the playoffs. I just didn't think it had a whole lot to do with Dusty. I was disappointed about that. But man, I'll tell you something. Um, seeing how uh, 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 Martinez has brought this team together. Um, it is really, it is really something amazing, and you've got a good group of guys there. You know, there, there is, there is something that I think has a lot of value, and you look at it and you see other teams doing it. It's not who won the most games during the season necessarily. It is man about the team that comes together and surges mm-hmm. at the right time. Yeah, yeah. And this, this net team has absolutely done that and, and, and it, you know and it I, I like that i like their chances against against either the the, the yankees or the astros well, Rock, you know, I, they are they are a team that has surged at the right time and i think the i think the baseball guys are looking on us favorably well rock it doesn't hurt to have four guys that can throw the ball like that to go out <laughs> to the mound either <laughs> you know man i had some really 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 great seats i was sitting in the fourth row behind home plate. And so at one point, one of my teammates, you know, saw me on, on, on camera, on, but, you know, he was watching the game from home, one of my former, former teammates. And he was saying, like, you know, what do you, what do you think about that heat that Scherz is breaking? And what, what do you think about, you know? And I was like, I just think my, I would be probably an invalid if I had to try to, you know, compete against that kind of heat that's that starting rotation man lord have mercy when they're on top of their game it just it's it shuts you down man it hurts your feelings so let me ask you they can shut shut a team down rock so let me ask you a question if you if you if the nats were to win the world series at home in game five versus riddick bow winning a heavyweight championship what would be more (laughs) exciting for you well, look here, and you're going deep now because yeah, going deep now. <laughs> because you know we're all creatures of emotion, but we're all creatures of desiring some comfort also. Yeah. So, Riddick Bowe winning that heavyweight champion, I had a little something to do with that, and got a little piece of that finance. <laughs> I got a piece of that financial action that had the potential to set me up for life. I got. Well, you. If I had to choose the two. 
I can't lie to you, but I'm gonna be I'm gonna be in the stadium on that on that fifth game there, hoping just for what you just talked about the Nets winning the World Series on what will be that would right be, there. That would be next Sunday, Sunday night. Sunday that would be next Sunday night. Yeah, a week from That's tomorrow. That's right, man. Hey, before we let you go, I gotta ask you earlier in the show when I was plugging that you were gonna come on. I was telling Craig about the uh, the the fight where Riddick Bowe was fighting Evander Holyfield in Vegas, and the parachutist landed in the ring. Do, you got a minute to tell us about that? It's uh, truly, truly one of the most surreal moments in my life. <laughs> um, other people sitting in the stadium and and even you know the the announcers had seen him, but I'm sitting in the first row next to the ring <laughs> so fully so fully focused and concentrating on what's going on. I had never seen him right. until he actually flew into the ropes. Right. And man, that was an extremely dangerous situation because his parachute got caught up into to some into some of the lights over the ring, so you could hear the lights popping. You could hear the uh, the 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 uh, the the the, uh, the glass covering the lights, you know, crashing down around you. You know, I mean, sharp, jagged ice uh, uh, um, glass coming down. Right. You know. So I mean, I jumped up. You know, went into. Well, you know, the guys kind of took care of him. They 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 jumped on him. I thought it was an assassination attempt. Wow. My first thought was that it was an assassination attempt on Jesse Jackson or a couple of the other guys that okay. were, you know, at, 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 at ringside. And so I'm, I'm talking to Bo, and, and he looks out and points, and his wife, who was pregnant with the child at the time, had fainted. Oh and the God. paramedics, while we were trying to restore order the paramedics had come she was being wheeled out on a um on a stretcher to the ambulance and and he and i were having a discussion about whether he was going to jump out of the ring to go help her yeah help his pregnant wife or get back and fight holyfield and it was just wow it was absolutely surreal i remember James Brown was part of the HBO broadcast. Yep, yep. And, and, and him coming up and to try to interview us, hell, man, I don't know what he said or I don't know what I said. It right. was a moment. It was an absolutely bizarre, bizarre night. It was unbelievable. And, I watched. And, I, and I've always thought that that really saved Holyfield. Bo had started out slowly. Uh-huh. Um, what round, what round was, was it in? Like the fifth? That was, I think, the seventh round. Seventh I think that round. Was the, I okay. think that was the seventh round. And But he was coming on. His jab was starting to rock Holyfield. Holyfield's back was, was spasming. It gave him time to rub him down and everything. And, uh, you know, it was a very, very close fight. I've yep. always thought that as the champion, Bo still should have gotten that decision. But, you know, that's life. Yeah. And, um... But, yeah, it was one of the most surreal moments of my life. All right. Hey, I really appreciate your coming on. Is, is Rick, What is Riddick doing today? Um, you know, I haven't had much contact yeah. with him. My understanding is he's living somewhere. 
he's living somewhere in Florida. All right. And, you know, unfortunately, you yeah. know, he's had his struggles, and that's right. so sad because he was a man it that... was unbelievable, yeah. When it was all over with, you know, he was really sitting on top of the world. Yep. So, you know, man, when I say my prayers, I always keep him in my prayers. I appreciate that. That is a great story, great story. Appreciate your coming on. I'll tell you what, I may reach out to you this week if the series is going in the right direction. Maybe we'll get you on next Saturday. All right? Okay, no problem. Thank All right, you Rock, for thank, thanks a million for coming on. Appreciate it. All right. All right. There you go, Rock Newman. We got to get him on again. He was great. Wasn't He's he? great. Great. Uh, we're going to take our last time out, and we got to get a word in edgewise about one of our favorite sponsors. But first, let me do... Well, are you talking about the Costa Sin? I'm talking about the Costa Sin, well, me... but I said, but first... Oh, okay. Let me welcome back in a longtime sponsor and friend, and that's GBT and Mark Schwartzman, located right in the heart of Glen Burnie. Glen Burnie Transmissions has been around going on only 60 years, Craig. If you suspect you're having a transmission problem, GBT can save you hundreds of dollars over taking it to the car dealers for repair. Make an appointment, and then they offer estimates, free estimates, and free diagnostic. Call GBT toll-free at 855-728-1841. Their mission is simple, to provide excellent service at a reasonable price. If you have any questions at all about the level of service, go to their website at gbtonline-.com to check out the number of five-star reviews. Let my friend... Mark Schwartzman and his GBT team take the troubles out of transmission troubles. Call them today at 855-728-1841. That's Glen Burnie Transmissions. And we have the Costa Sin to talk about, too. We certainly do. All right. It's a 40, special place. 4100 North Point Boulevard, the best crabs around, and uh, also crab cakes, uh, crab soup, either cream of crab or Maryland crab. And uh, you can go in there and get all the different uh, specials on the menu throughout the week. Crab cake night is Monday night. Uh, rib night, Tuesday night. Steak night is on Wednesday night with half-price bottles of wine with any meal that you get at the Costas on uh, Wednesday night. And also uh, lobster night is on Thursday. Great specials throughout the week. Prime rib is to die for. And uh, Pete Triantafilos, uh and uh, his crew... Uh, was down at Flavored Nation in Chattanooga, Tennessee over the last few days uh, whipping up crab cakes uh, down there. Uh, so we hope that all went well. And from all indications... It always does. <laughs> it whenever always does. Whenever there's crab cakes and Petri and Tofalos, yeah, it goes well. It goes well. Also, remember, whenever you go to the Costas Inn, the most entertaining part of the evening is sitting there and trying to figure out what exactly Nick Triantafilos does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, uh, you know, he didn't make out so well on the uh, Denver game <laughs> on Monday night. <laughs> he doesn't make out real well. Well, actually, no, he made out well on the Denver game Monday night. He did not make out well on the Yankee game on when, on, on the other night. Uh, All right. So. so that's what he does during that's kind the of, That's, that's kind of what he does. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, that's all part of running He's an sort operation. sort of a meter and greeter. Right. The yeah. meter, greeter. And, and loser. And he is the top crustaceanologist in all of Maryland. No question about it. Hey, we love the folks at the Costas Inn. You will, too. Try them out for the first time if you've never been there. 410-477-1975. Because if you want crabs, you better reserve them. Yeah. 
We'll be right back and finish things out in just a minute. Press Box's Project Game Day is back as we'll be with you to react immediately during and after every Baltimore football game this season. Glenn Clark is with you at halftime with various guests joining him the moment the game wraps up, including the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard, Press Box's Ken Zalis, and Eric Arditi from Barstool Sports. Press Box's Project Game Day is made possible by great partners, Costa Sid, Wise Markets, Glen Burnie Transmissions, Glory Days Grill, and the U.S. Army. Like Press Box on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sports and watch Project Game Day there every game day this season. I like world-famous chicken. You like world-famous chicken. We all like Royal Farms world-famous chicken. Why? Because Royal Farms world-famous chicken's always fresh, never frozen. Because it's hand-dipped in a secret recipe of herbs and spices. Because it's cooked on the spot, right in the store. And because it's the juiciest, best-tasting chicken on the planet. That's why everyone likes Royal Farms world-famous chicken. Western fries, too. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. This is Ross Grimsley with a reminder to all my baseball friends out there that I'm now part of the Press Box podcast team. Catch my take on the O's and whatever's going on in this great game of baseball. We'll also touch base with some of my old friends and teammates. Tune in every Tuesday morning or listen anytime at PressBoxOnline.com slash Ross Grimsley Show. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our annual college basketball preview issue on the cover. Brooks DeBose looks at the Mount St. Joe duo of Jalen Sticksmith and Daryl Morsell as two kids from Baltimore look to lead Maryland back to prominence this season. You'll also find full previews for men's and women's hoops in the area, including Towson, UMBC Loyola, Morgan Coppin, and more. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores you can also also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square offers a better way to tailgate with football and nuggets. You can now pick up a 30-count Chick-fil-A nugget in a football-shaped container, and if it would be helpful, Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square can half-cook it, leaving you the opportunity to heat it the rest of the way just in time for your party. And now Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square offers their three-cheese mac and cheese, cheddar, parmesan, and romano combine in this classic side baked fresh in the restaurant. Download the Chick-fil-A app, place your order, and pile up Chick-fil-A bonus points good for free food. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard. Call Steve if you'd like your party catered by Chick-fil-A. 410-931-0031. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home plate. Sliders Bar and Grill, just steps from Camden Yards, is the perfect sports bar for Ravens and Cap season, with all the games on dozens of TVs. Daily specials include Mexican Monday, Wing Ding Wednesday, Bloody Brunch Sunday, and more, with different drink specials every day of the week. Sliders celebrates Halloween on Saturday, October 26th from 7 p.m. till 2 a.m. Put on your costume and join the fun with drink specials, prize and fun all night long. Sliders for all of your sports and some spooky Halloween fun. 
Check out Costa's Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. They're known far and wide for their great steamed crabs and crab cakes. And their nightly specials also include crab cake night on Monday, rib night on Tuesday, steak night on Wednesdays with a half-price bottle of wine, and lobster night on Thursdays. Check out CostaZen.com to find out more. And the delicious crab cakes are shipped anywhere. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. KZ, Ken Zales here. I'm back, and I am fulfilling all of your fantasies. Well, your fantasy football fantasies, anyway. I'm with you for the Press Box Fantasy Football Show every Thursday at 11.30 a.m. to help you set your lineups for all your fantasy matchups. Watch at Facebook.com slash Sports. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. It's all brought to you by Wise Markets and Glory Days Grill. Join us for the Press Box Fantasy Football Show every Thursday morning at 11.30 a.m. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our annual college basketball preview issue on the cover. Brooks DeBose looks at the Mount St. Joe duo of Jalen Sticksmith and Daryl Morsell as two kids from Baltimore look to lead Maryland back to prominence this season. You'll also find full previews for men's and women's hoops in the area, including Towson, UMBC Loyola, Morgan Coppin, and more. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores you can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer here from Glenn Clark Radio. Kyle, you know, I'm regularly asked by folks about how we get so many great guests on our show. Well, I, I work really hard to get some of the biggest names on with us. I know you do, and the world recognizes it, but I want to challenge you to try to get some even bigger guests on the show moving forward. Okay, who do you have in mind? Well, nothing crazy. Like, what about Tim Tebow? Uh, or, or how about Leonardo DiCaprio or, or Lady Gaga, maybe Barack Obama? Uh, you know what? I'll settle for Wilt Chamberlain. Well, I think he died. What? Yeah, like 20 years ago. So that's a maybe? Maybe Java Chamberlain. Glenn Clark Radio, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. No one wants to talk to Java Chamberlain. All right, we are back for a final word on today's program. Uh, and we have, by the way, again, we apologize we apologize. Well, that's you. That's yeah. not me. I was going to say, I thought I turned mine down. We apologize <laughs> about um, Mo Gabba not being yeah. on with us, but now we have, we've got the we got the, the well, hotline be- right to him. Because we went to the horse's right. mouth, exactly. if you will. Exactly. Now we, we don't have to go through Sansa. We'll go right to Mo. That's right. All right. Excited about that. Next week. You got to tell, you got to tell people very quickly what happened. About and Mo just said, here's my number, call right, me. Right. <laughs> well, he wasn't on Facebook. We couldn't reach his mom's number. Right. And I didn't know he had a cell phone. He yeah. Had no number. Sure. He's a whiz. He's probably got, a, he's probably got an iPhone, right. too. Little bugger. Anyway, uh, so all of a sudden, after we went to Rick Peterson, I see he's on Facebook. So I said, hey, we tried to call you. And uh, he goes... Just call my number directly. <laughs> That's right. Anyway. So we handle that. We'll do that next week, 1105. Thanks to Mike Gimbel for coming on today, talking about his relationship with the late Congressman Elijah Cummings. Thanks to Mike Shallon for coming on, 
and uh, talking to us about his relationship with the Boston Red Sox. And uh, then two really great guests wrapped up the show with Rick Peterson uh, talking about both his book, Crunch Time, How to Be Your Best When It Matters Most. Uh, and and Rock, Rock Newman, Newman, yeah. Who was the manager, longtime fight manager and personal manager of Riddick Bowe. Uh, Rock Newman joined us to talk about, you know what's amazing? He saw his first game when he was four years old at Griffith Stadium. Mm-hmm. I may have seen mine at three, but my first game was at Griffith Stadium, too. We're both 67 years of age. We may have been in the park at the same time. Right. At some time. Could have been. Yeah. Anyway, he was a delight to have on. We went deep with him, didn't yes, we? Yes, we did. All right. Thanks to Ryan McGettigan, who's got a game again. See what I did there? Yeah, McGettigan. Yeah, yeah. Clever. Game again. Very clever. Very oh, clever. I meant to ask you, do you know a young lady named Connor? Last name Connor? Not really sure. Okay. Yeah, I bet he knows a lot of ladies. I'm sure. He doesn't worry about their he, names. He's right. I was, I was friended by somebody, and I can't remember her first name right now. Oh. Okay. Well, talk to me after the show. She, she, she lives out west, evidently. Is there some connection? I'm yeah, sure I know her said, somehow. Said, 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 you know, it was Ryan McGinnigan was, you know, one of her friends. That's okay. all. I'm sure I know her somehow, but. Oh, somehow. <laughs> well, we won't get into that <laughs> right now, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, <laughs> That's somehow. Ryan's got the uh, Towson game today, shooting highlights. Towson's playing who today? They are playing the. University of Bucknell. Bucknell University. Bucknell That's University. That's their there you official go. title. What time's that game? Three Four o'clock. Is that, is that a winnable game today? Very yeah, winnable for okay. Towson. Winnable. Very winnable. They just can't right. shoot themselves in the foot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of like Maryland. Yeah. <laughs> With Indiana today. Is that on the Big Ten Network? I'm assuming it is, but right. uh, the bigger the bigger fish to fry today is it's not going to happen, but I'll say it anyway. Go Michigan. Come on, Wolverines today. Who, who are they playing? Who do you think? Notre Dame? No. Oh, Penn, State. Penn State. Okay. All right. We are. That's not going to happen. That's not going to no. happen. Tonight, Astros. That's the hardball that needs to be fired. <laughs> Astros and the uh, Yankees. Yankees. Game tonight, six. 808. Game seven, if need to be, tomorrow night, 738. These last two games of that series are in Minimetti Park. Yep. All right. That wraps us up. Don't forget Project Game Day tomorrow with Glenn Clark at halftime of the Seahawks and the Ravens. That should be about 5.55, 6 o'clock, halftime. And then after the game, Drew Forrester will join him. That's it. We'll see you. Have a great week ahead.